0: Two weeks. Uh, I'm not going to tell you where I'm going. I'm just going to disappear to another country, and I have a burner. Um,
1: I'd like to be able to do that for probably more than two weeks.
0: Oh, yeah. But just as like a, a baseline, I thought about it a little bit, and I was like, well, you would need to probably, like, I would need to not go that long because like my mom would freak out and everybody else would freak out but he just doesn't fucking care like he's yeah <laughs> he just well he's probably done it so often yeah
1: that it's just kind of the expectation of what kind of person he is that is kind of a wild concept though to just be like nope I'm just going to pack up go live somewhere for a while of course like it seems even crazier if you have any type of like roots or something <sighs> to the place
0: well when Santina was talking about it he's like one thing that me and my wife do when we're gone for a couple weeks and they went over to mm-hmm. like I, he didn't ever specify. Oh, I think it might've been Ireland or something like that. But he's was like, we were there for two weeks and I told her that there's a really cool hike that I wanted to do. And she said that we're going to hang out with some friends. And I said, sweet, you guys have a good time. He's like, she went her way and did her thing for the day in a foreign country. I went my way and did what I wanted to do. And then he's like, I came back we reported back. He's like, well, I almost were with a group of friends though, or was it, it was just those two? Yeah. It was just people that they met there. Oh, okay. and he's like, you go hang out with the people that we met. I'm going to go hike up to this castle. He's like, I almost fucking died over there. <laughs> he's like, it was a really cool day. He's like, I did it, you know, partially because I wanted to do what I wanted to do. And she wanted to do what she wanted to do. But he's like, it was also kind of nice to be able to like separate. So we didn't get on each other's nerves all the time. Yeah. Oh, you ever see the, like the scenic videos when
1: they take you like through the Alps like on a oh, train yeah. and everything and it just looks like a fucking winter Christmas village yeah. I just love to fucking stay in one of those places for a
0: month those nomadic ambiance uh, YouTube videos that I watch did I ever tell you about those no it's just a dude with like a GoPro strapped to his chest I don't know if it's a dude or a woman it's a but
1: nomadic ambiance.
0: Yeah, and all they do is like walk through all these foreign country towns like during snowstorms or like during rain showers. So they'll be over in like somewhere in Sweden, like Reykjavik or something like that in Iceland and they'll just be walking through downtown and you'll just be able to hear the rain and everything else and be able to see everything that they're seeing and taking in. I might have caught but I didn't I don't think this is something that I've watched. Like yeah. I may have passed it and I was like this is just weird. Even that they did one, uh, somehow it, they're like 13 million views, mm-hmm. like just crazy popular. But it was just... Is it a, like an ASMR thing? A little bit, because you're the getting rain, the rain noise like yeah. or the crunching of the snow. But mm-hmm. they did one through Central Park, and it was fucking awesome. Watch shit for 50 minutes. Just a
1: dude walking through Central Park. Central Park is always, it always, like when I see it, how big it is. <sighs> It always kind of puts it back in perspective because if you're thinking about it and you see it from like pictures, it doesn't Mm -hmm. look really that big. But then you have to zoom in and see like, oh, there's like literally like 20 blocks long. Like because in New York, if you're viewing it from a distance, everything just kind of, I guess, kind of meshes and blurs together. You can't really tell like it's hard to judge distance. Are you trying to
0: see how big it is? I don't remember. Oh, that's what it is. So, paved drives circle uh, the entire park and provide the longest routes. The longest loop in the park total 6.1 miles. That's how fucking big Central Park is. Yeah. That's huge. Yeah. I remember reading something like that and I thought, God, dude, that seems like a crazy walk.
1: I know. It's got just like a ton of lake. It's got like a few lakes in it and like different like playing fields. Dead bodies. Oh, Yeah. There's
0: multiple... God, can you
1: imagine Central Park during, like, the
0: 50s? Or even, like, the 20s or 30s? I imagine it was awesome then, but, like, during the major crime sprees that happened in the 80s in New York, they were probably finding people left and right. There are, like, two or three serial killers I was going to say, do you that- think whenever
1: they have, when they do, like, a like revamping or, like, a Public Works project that's in the park, <laughs> they have to have, like, a fucking NYPD liaison <laughs> out there? So Every like, time... Hey, it- Drain a pond or mm-hmm. something like
0: that. They're just like nobodies, no bodies, no yeah. bodies,
1: nobody's When was the last time they did work on this? Ooh, they haven't worked on this part of the part of the park <laughs> since like the forties.
0: Fuck <laughs> He just starts putting on his gloves. God damn it. Oh god, those are cement shoes. Yeah, those are cement shoes. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. It's do you ever I guess this is actually do you have anything you want to discuss before we go into this?
0: I did, and then it shit on me, it shit on you, and you like didn't remember what it was no i I was all that was man on Wednesday. I got my bare hands into the dishwasher that was broken. I have no working knowledge of a dishwasher beyond like just basic mechanical things. Fix a dishwasher was super proud of myself, like just you know that moment when you're just a dude and you fix something that you kind of have like no business fixing and mm-hmm. you're just like, yeah, I did that shit. I didn't have to call a tech. This is awesome. And you get that real rush of, I don't know if it's like testosterone or what, but you're just like, yeah, that's it's a just fucking... orphans a- yeah. in your brain telling, yeah. you, telling you good job. Like, I'm so fucking smart. I don't even know how a dishwasher works and I just fixed it. <laughs> well, and it's like, I just thought for a second, it was like, this must be what it feels like to be a man. Like... You you just busted something out and just you fixed something with just your hands and a couple tools. You you just went in and took care of it, and then it fucking didn't work again last night. So I, I was riding the highest high of being like a manly man that fixed an appliance without any Is knowledge it of it. No, it's throwing some error or code or something see, like that. If you're working, see even if you're a man. Like
1: that's electrical
0: stuff. Hey, electronics are kind of gay. It's just kind of nerdy. Like you're, yeah. Uh, you don't have to be it, if, super if smart. It's or... Anything about programming or anything like that, then yeah, I don't think you're going to
1: be able to handle that. Okay, I saw something the other day, and so John Cena. You know when John Cena gets a little bit like he's getting a little older, so he looks a little skinnier, but he's still just yoked. John Cena looks like a yoked Jim Varney.
0: He. <laughs> Have you ever watched him do that Wipeout show with? Uh, oh, I forgot the black lady's name. She's pretty funny. It's only like Tiffany Haddish, is it? Or no, anything? she's thick gal. Um, God, I don't remember her name. But they do Wipeout. You remember Wipeout? Like yeah. the basically like Mxc for America. Mm-hmm. Every time they pan to both of them doing the commentary and you see him, she's like, that head doesn't fit on that body, bro. Like, he <laughs> just, you don't look right. He, I know. He, like, grew his hair out and he's got the swoop. It's like, this isn't the John Cena mm-hmm. I grew up with. This isn't hustle, loyalty, respect, John Cena. All right. Before we get into our topic, I did have one more,
1: uh, more point of interest here. Are we recording? Oh, yeah. We've been recording oh. for, like, the last seven minutes, man. Huh. How hot is Linda Carter when she was younger? Oh, she's incredible. Wonder think, Woman, dude. I don't Ugh. think I fully appreciated Linda Carter until within the last, like, I always knew she was attractive, but until the last five to ten years, I don't think I really appreciated Linda Carter.
0: There's a lot of old broads that strike me the same way that she does. Like, she's kind of a, I don't know, I guess she had some fame, and most of these women do, but, like, Farrah Fawcett back in the day? Mm-hmm. Holy shit, Goldie Hawn. Mm-hmm. Just incredibly attractive ladies. And you kind of think, like, sex symbols is like, what, Marilyn Monroe, uh, that one chick that used to like to eat pasta and said that she... Jane, g- no, Jane
1: Mansfield was really ugly, wasn't she? <laughs> no, she
0: was attractive. Oh, was Jane,
1: who was the really ugly one that we talked about on the Timothy Levey one? Or maybe I just heard something about her in, like, uh... Yeah. I Audrey Hepburn. That's one I was trying to Audrey think Heppern. of. I think I might be confusing. Yeah. I was watching like a documentary about something. They were talking about a woman who had an amazing voice. Was it Mama Cass? It might've been Mama Cass. The lady that died eating a ham sandwich? Yeah. But they were talking about how she was just hard to look at. But as soon as she started
0: seeing, you didn't care. It's like that crazy British that's lady. A smelly
1: cat. Oh, uh, Susan Boyle.
0: Yes. Yes. Yeah, Susan Boyle, incredible voice, but a very handsome man, or a very handsome here's, woman. Here's something I realized
1: that by when I was listening to podcast for information on this one, that I, a British person giving you information automatically makes it like at least twice as reliable. It it, sounds, it can be the exact same yes. information, but the way that they they talk, is just like, I don't want to trust you, Mr. Belvedere, but I fucking do. You Like, on on our episode today, we will be exploring the origins of what the fuck ever. Ants. Ants. She's like, yes, it, it's that way. Ants <sighs> used to be the size of a Dodge Ram truck. Like, <laughs> that can't be right. And she's like, I am right. I'm British.
0: Who's the dude that does Planet Earth? Oh, David Attenborough! David
1: Attenborough! I, my god, you can listen to it all day long. I feel like, I feel like David Attenborough. We're not, we're not going to get enough David Attenborough. Why couldn't we discover David Attenborough when he was in his like twenties?
0: And I kinda, then he could just narrate everything. He would. Yeah. He's like a British Morgan Freeman. That's. It. There's a few celebrities, like, uh, when cool celebrities die, it sucks. Mm-hmm. When David Attenborough or Morgan Freeman kick the bucket, it's going to be a very sad day. Yeah. It, it, it just, their voices are so synonymous with kind of, in, Attenborough's definitely more information because I've just listened to Planet Earth a billion times. Mm-hmm. But every time we're going to hear, like, a something that Morgan Freeman should have done after he died, you're just going to be like, this isn't as good. Do you think that because there are some people that are really good at
1: doing a Morgan Freeman impression.
0: Like that white dude I showed you.
1: Well, I can't tell if that was legit or not. It was. That, it is. You know, he could have just watched a more there could be an actual Morgan Freeman video and he literally just mimicked all of the movements of it and did just a mouthing motion. He like does- I don't know. It that looks too that's not even like He's done that impression on stage during a stand Okay, I'm just saying the the visual of <laughs> yeah. Morgan Freeman was so advanced that it didn't look like it was breaking the, the... What do they call that? The uncanny valley? Like it's when you see something that's CGI, but it almost looked... You can't tell that it's not... Re- I don't, I don't well, know. I'm, I live, s- I'm
0: skeptical about that. I though. live in the valley, man. I... There's some CGI shit that I can pick out, but then there's other things where it's just like I I choose just not to believe that it's CGI. Like mm-hmm. it looks real enough to where I could let my mind fantasize like trailers for uh Jesus, my mind is going on Avatar. Yes. Avatar I choose to believe that those people are real. I've never mm-hmm. seen the first one, but seeing like how good the special effects were, it sounds like James Cameron's kind of a dickhead. Yeah, I don't I have a complicated
1: relationship I think uh, with Avatar. I, I, yeah. It's visually beautiful, but the story is just horrible.
0: Well, it's kind of like colonialism. It's in it's
1: like a it's like a plot remake of Dances with Wolves, and like the American story. Yes, yeah. It would just it's just with fucking giant blue people and space guns and all that kind of crazy shit. The it's visually so beautiful, good. but I mean, it's yeah. The new one will make a fucking. Twenty billion dollars or whatever it's going to make, it'll be the top grossing movie ever, and then
0: and then there will be another movie that surpasses. Oh, he it. says he's got like six of them lined up. But isn't that what he did with the first Avatar? Was they had the box office record, and then was it Endgame that came out yeah, and, and took then
1: it, they re- and then they released then Avatar re- again? Yes,
0: that yeah. is so fucked up. I know it's just so petty. I normally, I like petty shit, but, but then that's like not- Endgame
1: re released again,
0: yeah, or something. It's yeah. a dick measuring contest at mm-hmm. that point. Speaking of things that needed special effects, uh, this guy that we're going to talk about today, Manuel, the real Noriega, he could have used some CGI. heard his nickname? Yeah. Cara de Peña? Pineapple Face? How fucking ugly do you have to be for somebody to call you Pineapple Face? I'm
1: trying to think there's an actor that I always think about when... Like, that kind of, like, the acne scars and everything. Is it, um... The guy that played the Elephant Man? No. It's it's an actor that you know. What the fuck is this guy's name? It's, um... Oh, my God. I can't believe I'm... Ginger? No. He was on... Let's see. James, Edwards James Olmos. Yeah. Yes, Edward James Olmos has that, like, not to the severity I think the Noriega did, but, yeah. The
0: pockmarked, kind of. Yeah, It's not a good look. And he, for everything that we're going to go over, horrible man. But extremely smart, it feels like. Oh, yeah. And just the biggest, like we talked about before, just the biggest weasel that has ever probably existed.
1: Yeah. I think, you know, looking into shitheads, it's, you can try to, like, kind of peel back the layers to find. What's kind of fun is to kind of peel back and say, I wonder what turned him into an asshole. And I think part of it, honestly, was the fact that he was probably, like, made fun of as a child and everything. Because that will, you know, that'll kind of put you in the direction of, fuck
0: everyone else, like, I need to find value elsewhere. It's sort of fun to see racism outside of America, isn't it? It'd be like, oh, they're just like yeah. us.
1: I was, I was thinking what you meant by that, but yeah, because of his, essentially his mixed heritage.
0: Uh, yeah, he, uh, very weird upbringing, like you were talking about, but didn't know who his mom was, didn't know her name. She. I guess uh, her, he did. Her last name was Moreno. He knew who his mom was. She died like shortly after she gave him up. What age did she? Wasn't it like. He got given up at five years old and then she died like shortly okay, but after. but Yeah, he knew his mom for five
1: years. I Do you remember a lot of stuff from five years old and below? There's a difference between like when you, when you say something like he didn't know his mother. To me, that says like his mother abandoned him when he was. I'm not making an excuse for <laughs> it. What I'm saying is that <laughs> he knew his mother. Yes. Did he grow up? Without her, for the most part, yes, but he knew his mother.
0: His parents, just uh, the whole thing is incredible to me because the mother couldn't find her name. I just think I saw her surname may have been Moreno. Did you, if you, I can't remember the the song. Noriega's mentioned in just about every, probably 10, 20 rap songs. Like, he's... Yeah, Manuel, before we decide to do this, like, Noriega
1: was one of those... um, names that you just hear you you just hear in like I'm not saying in casual conversation but if you ever watched the news growing up or looked into anything that had to do with like the CIA or just anything around the world dictators any any list of dictators it's going to have Manuel Noriega on it and I didn't know before we looked into this I didn't essentially know the Xs and Os of this I just had a very like cursory like vague knowledge of it so it was kind of nice to to find out what this guy was about, and yeah, very intelligent, but a real, a real fucking uh, shit bag.
0: He's played on more teams than LeBron. He was just everywhere, everywhere that was going to be beneficial to him, either financially or career-wise. Mm-hmm. He just he blew that that way. I feel like, and we're gonna have a lot of examples of this. I feel like this guy
1: is a result of someone not being told no strongly enough. Or not having enough consequences for their actions. I I just think... Because there's a lot of times during his career where... Had he been anywhere else or didn't have the connections that he had, that he would have been tossed aside
0: or he would have been, you know, drummed out of the military in, in Panama. I don't know. H- had he never met his actual dad and his uh, half-brother, mm-hmm. I don't think he ever would have had a shot in the military. No. No, not
1: at all. And had he not been, you know, had he met, um, we're going to get, what's his name? Torrejo. Yeah. Had he never met on that, you know, date on that double date, Torrejos, he's never going to be brought into the military. He, he chances himself into a lot of things, but he takes full advantage of those chances. He doesn't squander them. And so in that way, he's very motivated, but he's just motivated to do bad things. Much. I don't know if he if he if he started out uh no because he started getting into some shit pretty early on. I was going to say I wonder if he started out with you know what do you call that um I'm already forgetting words with like um lo- not lofty goals but like positive like goals.
0: I yeah, benevolent, he, you know, goals. He might have but His start to life, he was just basically shotgunned into everything. And unfortunately for him, as we were alluding to earlier, he was an accident. His dad, um, Recorte Noriega, was like a a tax guy, some shit like that. Yeah,
1: it was basically the result of an affair between him and his maid, or cleaner, (laughs) is really
0: what it was. Unless you're Arnold Schwarzenegger's maid, you're not... (laughs) You're not making it out of that situation great. Let's get in the and clean these floors. (laughs)
1: No, so he kind of touching on something that you said before, kind of dealing with a different... Seeing racism in a different theater. Um, He was Spanish, Indian, and black. And, yeah, suffered from acne, creating basically just a really pockmarked appearance. So from an early age, he had the the name uh, Pineapple Face.
0: They... Used a term called pardo, which is like a descendant of Southern Europeans, um, American white Americans basically, mm-hmm. and then West Africans, and he was what's called a mestizo or mestizo, which is Southern European. So like he he has the Portuguese blood in him or the Spanish blood, mm-hmm. one of those two. So. He was looked down as almost like a second-class citizen in his own country, which he was born into. He was native Peruvian. Well, not
1: only that, Earth. he it was he was born into poverty. Yeah, native Peruvian. Not Sorry. only yeah, not only poverty, but from like even a racial like level, like he was in the lower class.
0: Just. Had all the whole deck was stacked against him growing up, but so
1: he was born February is that eleventh or four? 11th. Okay, so February eleventh, nineteen thirty four, in uh, Panama City, Panama, and if you listen to any previous episodes on the Panama Canal, that's actually going to come into play as well as the United States. Do we call it stewardship? Fucking ownership. It's, it's a gracious ownership. Yeah, yeah, a better way to put yeah, it. Of the Panama Canal is really going to come into play. So. He, the one thing I will say, or I guess another thing I'll say about him, he did not waste any time fucking getting up the ranks and like essentially accomplishing his goals. So he basically grew up poor. And at what point did he meet his father and start being able to attend more of a kind of like prestigious educational
0: institution? High school. He. Um, at age five, like we said, his mom abandoned him and was given to a school teacher named Luisa Sanchez, and she instilled everything that you would want in a, a studious young child as far as learning, reading, comprehension, all this. And he did so well that he was accepted into a very kind of prestigious high school at like 13. I don't know how their school ages work down there. I was going to say what we would then consider more like a like a private school or prep school, right? Yeah. Yeah. Where a lot of the scholarships that were being handed out were to the white Americans that lived in the Panamania or the 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 children of the
1: Americans that lived in the canal zone. So the canal zone also any area, you know, where America was in charge, where you were in charge of the whole Panama canal, but it was basically, was it 10 miles on each side or 10 miles wide? I think it was 10 miles wide. So five on each side. So basically, the, the canal zone would be American-owned territory, five miles to each side of like the canal, the whole way. So I mean, that's a pretty fucking decent chunk.
0: Uh, oh yeah, and it, it from everything that I saw and read, it the canal zone kind of felt like an old Americana, like downtown. Yeah, it, did you, it felt very white, or well, not white, just like American. Yeah, do you? It almost like they tried to take like, like
1: plant like an American like small town downtown area there were things that were designed like it's like a Disneyland thing you walk in and it was designed to look like an American town in the middle of the jungle did you ever see that movie the the Kingsman
0: um was that the British one with Batman's butler the new bat um
1: which you're gonna have to dark knight Oh, Michael Caine. Yeah, I feel like no. You know, Michael Mike- Caine wasn't in it. It was the kid who played um, the new Robin. I can't remember. It's Terrence something. Anyway, they they basically like go to storm this place in the jungle, and this like terrorist has taken over and turned it into like a small like downtown. Oh, like it's got a movie theater and like a cafe and all that kind of stuff. Set but, up
0: his own little township.
1: Yeah, exactly. That's how kind of I I view it, but. So when he starts going to this high school, he actually meets his – it would be his stepbrother, right?
0: Half-brother. His
1: half-brother. That's right. Uh, Half-brother's name is Luis. Luis Carlos Noriega. And Luis Carlos Noriega is um, – he's actually gay. And at this time in Panama, it is pretty difficult essentially for a for a gay man. Did they say that he was openly gay or that he flamboyantly, was flamboyantly okay, flamboyantly yes. and openly gay? So, him and um, Tony Manuel they actually get really close. And you heard how they figured it out, right? How they figured what out, he was gay.
0: No, <laughs> I don't know how he figured out he was gay. <laughs> oh, how they
1: figured out they were uh, half brothers, yeah. It so was because he looked so much like the dad.
0: One, yeah, one of his classmates said, You look. Like a spitting image, image of, of Luis's his, father, yeah. and that was how they figured it all out. Yeah. And everybody else in the family, besides Luis, was just like, "Fuck this! We don't want this guy around. He's not. He was never a part of our lives." Yep. So, yep. well, Luis, I
1: think, was already an outcast. So, mm-hmm. like, as almost as much as you know, Manuel would have been. So, one thing that Luis was really actively involved in was. It was part of, like, apparently there was, like, student government actually meant, like, student government. Like, some of the students could participate in actual, like, fucking government in Panama. And so, Luis was actually protesting um, the American ownership of the Panama Canal. This was at a time when there was some questioning behind it. Like, Panama, I think, wanted to take it back over. Yeah, it was their land. Yeah. And, and also, I think, wasn't it that Panama would then, you know, they would be making the money from the Panama Canal? Right.
0: And all the jobs, everything. Oh, yeah, the definitely. whole economy would just boom.
1: Yeah. And while they were, you know, protesting this, was it the CIA that started to like kind of monitor Luis? Um They they tried to recruit him, didn't they?
0: So from what I learned about Luis was this model UN Club that excuse me, you we're kind of talking about, they had a very active role in this treaty that was supposed to be signed and actually did change some legislation.
1: Can you fucking imagine
0: that? The model UN has <laughs> yeah. a role in actual fucking national-level legislation. Uh, like, I don't know what the Panamanian government looks like, but I'm willing to bet they were probably like, hey, we'll take all opinions on this. Mm-hmm. And so after they get out of high school, Luis falls in with the... State Department for Panama. Okay. So he gains more of a foothold into the political side of things and the um, public government, I think you would call it. Panama is a very interesting place because they had almost like military rule, but they also had a social government as well. So you
1: had a a civilian government essentially that was run by the people. Mm -hmm. That was supposed to then give and issue orders to the military aspect of the government, but the military part of the government was literally like three fifths of the government. The it was Panamanian, much larger. Yeah. And and in essence, essentially, it was then kind of divided between these different commanders of these larger portions of the
0: National Guard. Of the
1: National Guard. Whenever I hear, like, National Guard, I think of our National Guard, and it makes it seem less impressive. I'm not saying our National Guard isn't impressive, but because our National Guard is more like, you know, the the part-time and stuff like that. One week in a month, the, two weeks a year. Yeah, when they change it. But National Guard technically means the nation's guard. I just don't know why the term is weird to me. Um, yeah, so you have these National Guard outfits that some of them will be, like, 5,000 troops strong, and then some will be, like, four. So you have different strengths. Of these different like militaries, which now when you're talking about it is like, of course they had all these fucking coups just going left and right. Like you literally had these like military commanders who thought that they could be the president or should be ruling the country. And then right under them, they have all these soldiers that are like directly loyal to them. And then you have some people that are going to come into power that really know how to fucking work the system.
0: Uh, Well, yeah, if you think that you should be the ruler of any place and you have the manpower to make that happen by force or just by threat, you're going to become a very, uh, your head's going to get very big and you're eventually going to try to attempt a coup. And this one, dude, this is full of coups like this. uh, Just the attempts that were made. But when you keep saying coups, vagina used to
1: or coups. Oh, <laughs> it sounds like that. We're talking about coups, I a wanna, lot of coups.
0: I want to pronounce the p and coup so bad. Uh, yeah, I know. But after he gets it's out a of word his...
1: that has strangely become more relevant. Yeah. Within the last couple of years, there's been a in our country. A, at yeah, least.
0: almost a renaissance of of coups. Plenty of coups going on around the world, but hey, our our last attempt didn't seem to be successful. Thankfully. So the CIA actually approaches Luis, but then
1: doesn't Luis, because he doesn't want to do it, he recommends his brother, right?
0: He recommends his uh, brother, yes. Manuel, partially because Manuel was refused for the college that he wanted to get into. He mm-hmm. Exemplary grades, great student, little bit nosy, um, which I think Luis kind of knew. So when Luis goes to work at the State Department... He convinces his, the state person that deals with like the American embassy and all that Uh is who he's working under. He ends up convincing him to write Manuel a letter of recommend to a military. It's like a really prestigious
1: military academy in like Lima, right?
0: Yeah, it's in Lima and it's uh, just... Kind of a cool thing. It, it was called Churrios Military School, and it was basically all of the South American countries would send. That their, is weird, right? They're oh, yeah. hugely weird. And I don't know if it's weird just because we deal with states more than we deal
1: with countries. Yeah, but think of it this way too: like, th- it sounds like the purpose of this place was to essentially bring in like officers, and it was an officer training school. Is really kind of what it was. Mm-hmm. We did that like prior to World War II even, I mean, we had people from like Japan and we even talked about that training with the Americans and then vice versa. We had people over there in their Naval Academy, but it, this is still, you know, at this point when he actually gets into this military Academy, he's
0: 24 and spent a little time after high school mm kind of did some odd jobs. He was, he never really caught on anywhere though, because of his, uh, mestizo, yeah. culture. He, he, he was always looked down upon. He wasn't getting jobs. He wasn't getting he, that's basically the reason he didn't get into the college he wanted I, to. I think
1: he looked at the military as well and I don't know if it was something that he looked at from the outside looking in and said this is the path I need to go because you know yada 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 or if once he got into the military he discovered he's like oh he's like my background and heritage means nothing now. I'm getting all my respect and all of my duties and like what I'm going to get is going to be completely based on my rank. And so I think he really liked that aspect of it and just dove headfirst in. Now, even prior to actually going to this military academy and getting in, he had started working for the CIA.
0: And that was like what I was talking about when he was kind of like a, a nosy person and would listen. Mm-hmm. Luis knew that. And part of the situation was, was the U.S. was extremely concerned because at this time Castro had taken power in Cuba oh yeah it was the it was the fucking red scare yeah so this this was like the closest that we had had to communism knocking on our front door down in cuba and the cia was extremely concerned about communism continuing to spread through south america just because of the relationship that cubans had with south american people and so manuel gets recruited into the cia because he is going to the school and because he's Actually, fairly, all the intelligence that he's gathered on people. Yeah, he's very adept
1: at actually discovering information and surveilling people. And at the beginning, you're kind of probably asking yourself, like, why would we hire essentially a 24-year-old that's going to just like a military college? And part of it is because we were pouring a shit ton of money into resources into South America to try to keep communism from getting a foothold in the region. It was already in, like, Nicaragua, Cuba, couple other areas down there. Panama, though, if you're really thinking about it, even from a a geographical sense, Panama is really a gateway because essentially you can get stuff from Central America. Now you're getting it into, or from South America into Central America. And if stuff can get there, it can travel by land and then get to the American border where there's a lot more room to get in or ways to get in.
0: And it also has to pass through the Canal Zone, which is American-owned at the time. Yes. So you put those people in infinite risk being that close to a communist country – and that was really why Manuel got recruited, was because they wanted at this military school. That's where most of the uprisings are going to come from. That's from exactly communism. what I was. Yep, you. So yeah. when you have those communist revolutionaries, that it, are,
1: these these are going to be the the head guys in the next five to ten years. Yeah. The, so let's the get, get some fucking, tomorrow. So hey, Manuel, get as much shit and dirt on these people as possible, regardless of what it is. Let us know their you know proclivities if you can, because at some point we need to know both a who these people are. And then either have some information on them or, you know, be able to find out if we need to prevent these people from getting into positions of power. There okay. was so much shit going on down there as far yeah. as like government operations from the United States in like all the countries trying to like back all these different like guerrilla groups and.
0: Sandinistas. And- yeah. Just everybody, we were trying to play chess with the South American countries as far as who was beneficial to us. And who we didn't know to how to play
1: chess. It was messy as fuck. Yeah.
0: And I don't know if it was just lack of knowledge and how to do that. I'm sure that it, they formed more coups before this and backed a lot of different rebel forces. But it was just... Everywhere down there it was rife. South America feels like, after reading this, like it's, every one of those countries has changed hands it by seems like North,
1: It But it seems like North South America. Northern South America. Because yeah. that's where all the countries get smaller, more condensed, closer. And I feel like that's where the shit pops off.
0: It could be, but we we kind of see it in, I think, the biggest country down there in Brazil right now with Bonsaro trying to figure out how not yeah. to get beat in an election that he already got beat in.
1: I know. I'm I'm speaking more so in the, like, actual, like, military-type coups.
0: Yeah. And eventually, hopefully, it doesn't come to that, but Venezuela, the guy in Venezuela yeah. that just refused to... Concede or go... Yeah. Or he, so he just used the military to hold a communist country by force. Mm-hmm.
1: Well, so he actually, pr- Manuel proves to be actually, like, really adept at this. At being able to gather information. So and it, apparently it's not costing the CIA. When they say he's on the payroll, it's not a lot. They're sending him like at some point early on. And I'm I'm guessing these numbers have been a little bit fudged. But it was a like it was like twenty bucks a week or twenty bucks a month or something like that. Because he was he was they, this is just them. It's not them saying, Hey, like they had a lot of these guys. They weren't going to just go ahead and plant a couple seats and then hope that they fucking sprouted. Like, they had a lot of these guys. So they would pay them a little bit, and then whatever ended up turning in the most useful information, then they can just be like, well, this one's not paying off. We'll just increase this one's pay and give them more resources. And kind of where you start to now see, up to this point, we really haven't discussed anything that makes Manuel, you know, he's got questionable character because, of course, you know, he... He's worked with the CAA, and he's Panamanian, but also he's had kind of a rough upbringing. Now we're going to get into some dark shit. So you have anything before the holiday break?
0: Uh, No. I do think kind of to your point of seeing the military as like a, a way to even the playing field from race-wise. Mm-hmm. He really, I think, started to feel the benefits of working for the CIA because there were multiple mentions of being at the military academy that he was at and being able to afford like gold buttons for his uniform okay. to bring him up to the level of the other cadets okay, that yep. had come from money or come from mm-hmm. wealth, come from powerful families. because. That's really where a lot of these revolutionaries came from that were going to this military school yeah. was they came from more well-to-do families. Mm-hmm. So it almost tried to level the playing field even at that young of an age to the point where I'm sure that was addictive for him. Like he saw a direct line yeah. into him being able to raise himself out well, of the Well, he poverty. probably
1: hadn't been able to like – think of it in this scenario. Every other path he'd been denied because of his heritage or something like that, his you know social status. But he he hadn't been stopped yet at this point. So he's like, oh, I haven't been like denied yet. I can keep going up through the military. And so over a holiday break, he, him and like two other buddies, they end up going out in Lima. Usually everyone like goes home. It's like a holiday break. So he ends up, does, he doesn't have anyone to really to go home, to home. home. So he stays with uh two guys and they go, stays on base or wherever they're at the school. They go out on the town in Lima And decide to pool their money together at a bar for a lady of the night. And basically, the... I don't know how they determine order, but...
0: Gotta be rock, paper, scissors, right?
1: My man Manuel gets gets the short (laughs) end of the stick. So he's having to go third. So they're sitting at the bar. They're drinking. First guy goes back with her. Then he comes back. She gets the second guy. Takes him back. When she comes back out, she tells him that it's actually going to be double for him because of how he looks.
0: It feels reading this. It felt so much like the saving Silverman moment when Steve Zahn and Jack black are trying to get the prostitute to take pictures with mm-hmm. and they stop. And she's like 50 for you, 150 for your friend. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, like, right. It, it just immediately hit. I don't know if it was looks or the fact that she just got railed by two other dudes right before that. Such a weird thing to pull your money to try to get one prostitute. Like, that's a that's a very yeah. weird move. Yes. And and why would you ever, if you hear thirds, I'm just going to go try to do something else. Like, I, I'm not taking thirds in that situation. Yeah, it's,
1: you know what? If you're in there and you're willing to be first or second, if you get thirds, don't pay for it.
0: No. No, your get first two there. should have covered the bill yeah. for, for thirds. And plus, you may be like fifth or sixth oh, like yeah. at, at that point in the night.
1: Well, I think what this does is this instantly puts him in a position where now he's being judged, not provided the respect that he thinks he deserves being in the military or at this school, his uniform and everything. And I think it also makes him feel all of the shit that he was he hated early on in his life because he does not take this very well. And he basically I think he drags her into like a closet, beats the shit out of her. Rapes her, almost to, like beats her and rapes her almost to death. I think, right? Yeah,
0: uh, very
1: gruesome, very bad. And base, and then just leaves with the other two guys. I just I, for embarrassing him at a bar. Yeah,
0: I, I personally think that he knew in his head, like if I get shut down because he didn't have the extra money to pay for it. To to pay for the services, yeah, he
1: could barely like
0: afford it as it was. So if you get shut down, and your two boys that you go to school with see that you get shut down, I by don't even. And the too. thing is, is
1: I don't even know if these guys, these guys could have been like friendly with him, but I think the biggest thing around this school, and especially just kind of from what we know about him, it's always going to be a competition. It's about saving. It's about trying to make yourself, you know, safe face. But in this situation, like you, you just make like the worst decision. It's like. Instead of just being like, "Nah, that's cool, I'm fine," my boy's already had you or whatever, making up some excuse, your uh, reaction is to almost beat and rape her to death.
0: Well, and if you get turned down at a whorehouse, you're probably going to be made fun of just exponentially. Oh yeah! Like as soon as you get, as soon as everybody gets back from break, that's the first story that they're oh, going to yeah. hear. And he's going to have to try to fight that stigma along with everything else. So he made a very bad decision, but nothing came of it. No, I, and that, I, this so is, that's what I'm
1: saying is now we're going to start getting the pattern of he there's not repercussions for a lot of these things he does, and that's why he could have been stopped so many times along the way, and and just nothing came of it.
0: I, he was just so useful though. That, that's his. That's kind of his like main overarching story was he was just always useful. He was, Uh, he was still at this point, he was still working for the CIA.
1: I'm, I'm curious because it kind of glosses over that information when it, you know, gives the information that he almost, you know, beats and rapes her to death and everything, but then it doesn't even go into any information on like what came of it. So is it to the point where it was in such like a horrible part of town or something, or he got away without anyone seeing him that that's what went away or, did something happen and the CIA didn't have to do that much, but just stepped in a little bit and made the paperwork disappear because they were trying to like, it's weird that there's no information. So being that there's no information and there's a lot of other information, it makes me think that they kind of stepped in.
0: Oh yeah. They they always have to clean up their messes because him getting kicked out of military school immediately ruins their whole entire. Well, and then what's the
1: first thing if they try to cut ties with him and he gets arrested, what's to stop him from being like, Hey, by the way, to try to get out, if he's trying to
0: name drop, I'm a CIA mm-hmm. informant. I, who's gonna believe him? Though is the other thing. I don't know, man. It's to me, it just seems like so hard to get out of this situation because there's. If somebody came up to you today and said that they were an informant for the CIA, you'd be like, okay, bro, yeah. like here's five bucks, go get yourself a hot sandwich. Like mm-hmm. there's no. It's just a very nutso thing to say. Oh yeah. So I
1: I really I, I think the the point of this isn't so much that it's more of you're you're seeing essentially what he's capable of, and it now it's it's going to make a lot more sense what we're going to talk about going forward.
0: Yeah, he, like he he
1: starts early with this shit.
0: He has a very like on and off personality. He is a charmer for the most part with what we're talking about coming up when he meets um, Omar Toreros, but he can also flip that switch and go from zero to 60 Mm -hmm. and start beating up prostitutes because they wanted to charge him double. Like there, there's no really middle ground. No. So he,
1: nothing ends up coming that. I think he graduates from this military school. Now this does not weirdly enough. This does not automatically make you a member of the military. You simply go there and you learn military skills that would be useful if you got a job. Cause he comes back And instead of going into the military, he gets, due to his value to the CIA, he gets a um, job, a pretty cush job in the canal zone, which is usually only reserved for Americans.
0: It's a very, I think he was like a surveyor or something like that, but he was accepted into the American part of Panama, basically. Mm -hmm. He was making a good living. He was making a good wage. He seemed to be really good at his job. I'm sure him being bilingual was definitely a benefit. Well, as far as,
1: like, being able to make, you know, make relationships, like, develop relationships with these people, because when we start talking about, like, fucking drug smuggling and all that kind of shit, you kind of have to take into the account that he had connections or probably had, you know, friendships or relationships, even within, like, the American portion of, like, the Canal Zone and everything like that. It's not like... That he gets drugs and they're like, well, we got to go out to each end of Panama and loop around and then get back into Panama and keep going. No, that's not how you do it. So it's almost the CIA is trying to keep him in a situation where he can maintain his usefulness. But at the same time, they don't realize that they're just setting him up for success in doing all this other shit.
0: Well, and he was still useful, I think, to the CIA being He hadn't, in the yeah, I zone. guess he hadn't
1: displayed any type of... Disloyalty, So they thought that he, you know, of course, let's get him higher up and get him, you know, in a position where he can be more resourceful to us and we'll reap the benefits.
0: Well, and he just because he's not living in Panama trying to snuff out communism and figure that stuff out. But he's also working in an American area where I'm sure the CIA was probably curious as to how those people were living, what they were doing on a day to day basis. Like they they were trying to keep tabs on the Americans. That's true,
1: too that would be a good point. Like if you were to put someone who's naturally Panamanian working in the canal zone, he's not the only one in that zone. That's Panamanian. He might be the only one in a position of like man, like supervision mm-hmm. there, but he would also probably be able to kind of overhear and see if there was any type of like grumblings and things like that. So it would have been a useful position. Um, He uses the position to get a, you know, good looking girlfriend. He starts getting more confident with women and, when he's 28 years old, on, in February of 1962, on a double date, he meets a young major, Omar Torrejos. So Omar, I, I feel like Omar is who Noriega wants to be from the get-go. He's young, he's handsome, he's charismatic. He commands the country's second largest garrison of the National Guard.
0: He has such a high position of power I think he knows that if he can impress Torreos there's a great chance that he will finally get to that spot in the National Guard that he's always wanted. He,
1: it's his it's his foothold into the military which based on I think his you know mm-hmm. in school that's the way he knows he's going to become the most successful. It was his dream job basically. exactly so he ends up I guess Torejos was attracted or something to his girlfriend or the girl that he had brought. But then he started talking to Torejos and Torrejos found out that he actually worked in the canal zone. That's, of course, going to be of interest because there's not many Panamanians that work in the canal zone in positions that he had. Um, he knew he would be able to kind of use this guy for intelligence, but he really impressed him with essentially what he felt were the best plans for Panama,
0: they, they talked about revolution themselves. Mm-hmm. They talked about what they wanted to have Panama look like in the future. And I think that they formed a pretty quick friendship just based upon that. Like they had the same nationalistic idea. Well, by the end of the night, the major actually
1: asked him to come work for him. Yeah, not, not in the military. <laughs> no, in the military. Oh, not, nope, that's right. Yeah. Not, no. Yes.
0: Not in the military. Not so.
1: yet. Not yet. What did he hire him for?
0: Manny's first job was to essentially be the pimp that collected the money from Tereos' prostitution ring that he was running while being the commander of the second largest National Guard garrison in the country. So even Tereos has his little side hustle, too. And I, I think, think everybody did. Yeah, I, I think Tereos had a pretty good idea that he was an informant with the CIA because – after the first incident, I'm sure they had talked about the rape, where he just was bulletproof in that situation. I think Torreos had an idea that he was a little bit he, higher up. Wait, you think Torreos knew
1: that Noriega was working for the CIA?
0: Just based on the level of infatuation he took with him, I I think that he knew that there were some things that he was able to get away with that most people couldn't. You're I, I, gonna
1: have you're gonna have to elaborate. On that for me,
0: it kind of comes a little bit later on. Okay,
1: when we get to that point, try to remember to touch on that then. So, yeah, so he puts him in charge of money collection from all the sex workers, and he fucking did a good job at it. Great job, great good pimp job. (laughs) The pineapple pimp.
0: It's just such a wild move to meet a a commander like that. You're thinking, okay, he wants me to come work for him. Where do I get my uniforms? uh, Not yet. Here's the thing.
1: I know pimping ain't easy,
0: and thank God he
1: didn't have to do it very long, because by September of 62, so that's, what, seven months? Yeah, uh, pretty quick. Seven months of pimping. Hard, hard pimping. He makes Tony—I keep calling him Tony— yeah. Okay. He. Manny, makes, I'm going to just say Noriega now because the other Noriegas are out of the picture. He makes Noriega a second lieutenant in the National Guard. So that basically puts him in a – he's not like right underneath Torrejos. I think he might even be like third or fourth under Torrejos because he has other guys that are actually more military-oriented that are below him. But he puts him in a position essentially where – he kinda has he he has some authority and some power.
0: He has a little bit of that, but he's still easily accessible for Tereos when he needs him.
1: Yes. And he also is still working for the CIA.
0: So he's gathering just He he's just making he's
1: working himself into positions and the CIA is just like, oh my God, he's just working himself into better, better situations with more access to, you know, more important people. For
0: them, they're just sitting there just rubbing the oh, tip. Yeah. Being like, this is wonderful. And he was able to bring other guys in underneath him. This is kind of part of the Treos thing, but that's still coming up. He was able to bring other people in the Panamanian military underneath him to go out and get this information and intel to report back to him, to then report back to the CIA. It's a, um, fuck, what's the guy's name? The spy from World War II. It was a Garbo. The-
1: it was a Garbo type deal. So basically, he was like, I need money. The CAA ups his money and allows him to develop his own network. So he's like, well, if you guys pay me, then I can actually oversee this network and I can gather five times the intelligence for you guys. They're like, great, we'll send you a check.
0: He's charging them for all these extra people as far as their room and boards or their food, anything like that, to where he can get that money and then pass just a portion down to take care of what the guys needed. Yeah,
1: I think he, here's the thing, is like Garbo didn't have the network, he kept the money, uh-huh. which is hilarious, but I think that Noriega was actually utilizing that money. He's going to, of course, keep as much of it as he can, oh, yeah, but he's actually trying to use this money. He's like, they're going to pay me to essentially strengthen my standing, well, and so just use this to build a network to where he would then, because then he can make himself, like, imagine that, like, kind of looking at how intelligent that looks, like. Torrejos basically, he's kind of like unofficially at this point. Torrejos is intelligent man. That's what he's kind of known for. Is he's like he's got his ear to the ground. He always seems to have some information.
0: Torrejos or Noriega. Noriega
1: has it for Torrejos. Oh
0: yeah, yeah. Well, he's also using his skills that the CIA taught him. Yes. to be able to do that. There was a part of this. I'm not sure. Oh, uh, was it before this or after? I think it may have been before he had entered the military. Mm-hmm. And it may have been before he had gone to churios But they actually brought him to America and ran him through like a U.S. spy school. Okay. And then would send him to different countries to learn different forms of like counterintelligence. Oh, yes, Like spying, did. bugging, all these different things. Mm-hmm. So they basically created a super spy. He was gone for like a year. Yeah, it, it was a full year yeah, that right. he just basically went on vacation and learned how to be a better... Better him. Yeah. So as he's feeding the CIA this information, he's also developing and using the same skills mm-hmm. to make sure that Toreos doesn't have his head being come after by somebody else lower in rank. Because that's sort of what it seems like their whole National Guard was.
1: Well, and look at it this way, too. If you're Toreos, you're like, this guy is getting all this information, like himself, when in actuality he's being funded and he has this network and everything. Yeah. But it makes him look so much better to Terejos because he's got these five guys working behind the scenes, but it looks like it's just Noriega coming up with this.
0: I, he definitely made himself very valuable. Again, he just he ups his value to anybody that's hired. To higher. each
1: side. Yeah. That's it, the thing he did so well for the longest time is he was able to just each side. Just in perfect balance, it feels like.
0: And, until he finally reaches a point to where there's nobody above him, he feels... He plays the position really, really well. And yeah. then once he finally reaches absolute power, he just goes off the deep end. When there's no one else to spy on. Yep. It, it, it was like he, fight, he reached the top of the mountain, and he's like, what do I do now? And he just jumps off. Mm-hmm. But Tereos was a very interesting guy just because he was I, – I think he sort of led Manuel or Noriega – down the path of some of these alternate businesses. Obviously, him having a prostitution ring. Yeah. I'm sure he had some sort of a hand in the smuggling and drug trade down there because again, if you're in a prostitution ring, there's a great chance that you're probably involved in something else that's paying the bills for you more.
1: You probably dabble.
0: Yeah, you, you dabble in pretty much more often everything. than not. I think it's
1: safe to say that you probably dabble in some other things.
0: Yeah, and so Tereos kind of gets in his mind. Like, I we got to take this whole thing a step further. we got to make some stuff happen. I want to rule this country. And there was a guy, uh, he was the president. Uh, what is it?
1: While you're looking that up, and this, this kind of takes place prior to them actually taking any action, Torejos is kind of planning this in his ear. It's not so much that they have a fully formed plan, but they have an idea that they can work themselves into a position if they do it the right way to where Torrejos is leading the country. So it's like, it's like trying to go ahead and put like feelers out, like, Hey, Noriega, if I start planning a well-planned coup, will you help me? And he's like, Oh yeah, I
0: gotcha. It was just kind of previous before, before he kind of starts to put his hand in the political scale. um, He was actually given the promotion of transit chief, so Well, hold on. Before before that, this is another
1: instance where, like, Noriega, you start to get, like, that—you start to view, like, the Oh, monster. the second—yeah. Yeah. So prior to him being transit chief, two months into the new job as second lieutenant in the National Guard, he actually raped and beat a sex worker in a police car. I believe she was 13. With witnesses. And Torrejos, and people are aware of it, and there's public, you know, because Noriega is essentially— part of the military higher up people are aware of him
0: yeah, he's and got so, a
1: little bit of fame yeah so there's public backlash on this as there fucking should be and so torrejo's kind of like hushes stuff down gets charges against noriega dropped and then basically he's like i kind of gotta get him out of here for a little while oh and that so, was yeah spice-able. and so he promotes him to the transit deputy chief and he just so happens to be it's the um like territory of Panama that he's overseeing. Is it the one that connects to Costa Rica, Costa Rica.
0: So he, anything
1: coming and going yeah. over the border is completely within his control.
0: You want to run guns. You want to one, run drugs. You want to know who's coming in. You want to know who's going out. I, it's a very good position for him to be. And I think that's part of like, where Torreos had his dirty jobs too, and then he knew putting Noriega in charge of the area where he's committing his dirty jobs, Mm -hmm. then Noriega can not only learn, but he can also keep an eye on all of Torreos' extra dealings. That's
1: true. I didn't read anything like that, but it makes sense when you mention that, because he does kind of seamlessly integrate. It seems like he comes into that pretty easily, so it would make sense that there was like a previous experience with it. Um, Yeah, and he also uses, basically what he develops is, Under this deputy transit chief, he has spies within, like, cabs, taxis, limo services, all this stuff. He's getting information, even as, like, a transit chief. He's getting all this information on all these prominent people, politicians. Where is their comings and goings? Are they in a limousine with a prostitute? He's basically gathering incriminating information on anyone and everyone who resides within this province. That's like, that's his, that's his fucking superpower is like gathering bad shit on people to be used at a later date.
0: Well, his information gathering knew no bounds because he ends up finding out through very interesting means. Basically, the CIA tipped him off that there was a teacher coming back from Russia um, down into Panama and they believed that she was going to start to spread communism inside of Panama. So they say, hey, this is your mark. The CIA is telling them, hey, this is your mark. Stay on her. Follow her around. Make sure that you keep an eye on what her. What's her name again? Uh, I don't remember her name. I, but think, I think this is a very important person. Um, Sort of ancillary, but it's very important information. So he gets a hotel room next to this teacher And follows her out to a nightclub, goes back to the hotel and is listening in. Obviously, he's bugged her room. Here's another man's voice. Or here's a man's voice in the room with the teacher is listening in, realizes that the gentleman that has escorted the Russian asset back to her hotel room is Terejos's brother.
1: Oh, that's right
0: yeah so that's he, right,
1: and he's married or she's married it's it, he it would is. be scandalous, yeah, especially but considering she's like a known Russian asset, yeah,
0: so he ends up getting enough information to know that his job's gonna be secure because now he has this dirt on Tereos too, because all he has to do is be like, hey, Tereos's brother um was shacking up with the Russian asset, Tereos may be compromised too c i a takes out Tereos. like it's a A very good card to have in your pile if you're going to try to leapfrog Torreos at some point. He never uses it but I'm sure he makes Torreos aware that he has that information Mm -hmm. and it, it just is another kind of step towards the thought process of continuing to be valuable to the CIA but then also trying to further your Panamanian position.
1: So also kind of during this time what year are we in right now? Just have reference here.
0: Um, We can get into 1964, um, the election that Noriega starts to apply his influence into the social sphere. Um, He really does not want an anti-military president because an anti-military president is going to try to break up the National Guard. Mm -hmm. They're going to lose their. They're going to lose their power base. Yeah, it's going to be a bad deal. So. He does a few different kind of things that rile up the crowd. He's as transit chief. He's telling his can, like,
1: yeah, take them like to different places or take them the long way around or yep. do something to fuck up the vote. I mean, it sounds like it it's just complete like election manipulation.
0: Yeah, he was he had a position of power to be able to control the transit of anybody that wanted to go vote. So if he knew that they were um against his cause, he's going to make sure that they don't get to the polls in time. People lose their minds. Um, I don't really know how that election turned out. I assume he was probably successful. Uh, 1968, which would have been the next election, um, Ondolfo Arias wins the presidency, notoriously anti-military, a very strong voice to try to get rid of the National Guard and to restore the government basically to like a full public atmosphere
1: yeah so basically instead of the whole you know three-fifths in control with the military he'd basically give more power to the civilian government so making it more of an actual like republic democracy type deal
0: representation
1: representation would have the most power
0: something where the military's voice wasn't the loudest in the room correct uh, it, I obviously it's tr- not their voice. That's it's
1: their force. That's their strength.
0: Yeah. Well, th- so
1: in order to go ahead and kind of even that power out, you do have to reduce the military. It's just that simple.
0: The voice controls the rules. The rules only apply to whoever the, the voice, voice decides. has to be
1: loud enough to command, you know, so many people. If it's not reaching everybody in the back, then it's not doing any good.
0: Mm-hmm. To not a fan of this. Uh, Knows that Noriega is a very good spy. He's done some very manipulative things. Puts him in charge of making sure that Arias, um, basically gives up the presidency and they want to form this coup. They want to put Toraeus in charge. So one of the things that Noriega does is Arias and his wife go out to like a show. It's like a theater. Mm-hmm. Um, Arias gets word from Noriega that they're going to surround the building with the National Guard and that they're going to take him prisoner and that they're going to kill him. Basically, Arias freaks out at this. Noriega's not there. Um, ends up getting smuggled out and he gets sent to, I believe, it's Miami for safekeeping. Mm-hmm. While he's in Miami, Toreo strolls into the presidential office. Sets his coffee cup down, says, this is mine now. Sits in the seat,
1: reclines back, kicks its feet up on the desk, and it's like, all right.
0: They probably don't have an Oval Office down there. They probably have like a... No, a but Rombus. you would just
1: like, literally, just ride his military convoy right up to the president's house and...
0: Just that simple. And I, Arius, <laughs> he's sort of exiled, I would say. Mm-hmm. He knows that he can't go back because if he does go back, it's going to be probably curtains for him. Uh, I don't know to this point if Noriega's got any blood on his hands. It would probably be a safe assumption that somewhere along the way, somebody's crossed him and ended up in the Panama Well, if there's Canal. the
1: known incidents with him almost beating two sex workers to death, yeah, then he's definitely been in situations where people didn't see it or there were unknown, especially as he got more prominent into power. He probably got either better about hiding his own shit or... You know,
0: the National Guard's got some bodies under their belt. Oh, yeah. They've definitely taken some yes. people out. Um, Noriega gets a promotion as soon as Torreos takes over as the Comandante, the military dictator of Panama. Comandante is a badass name. Mm-hmm. I like that. It sounds cool. No,
1: wait. So, who'd you say he gets a new title? You said Noriega gets a Comandante?
0: No. Torreos takes over as Commandante, the military dictator, immediately bumps um, Manuel up to the command, the 5th military zone. So he took full control of all gun and smuggling operations at the border between Costa Rica, where he already was before, but Mm -hmm. now he just has everything. He's in charge of transit. He's in charge of like the um, shipping coming over. he ends up trying to take control of like the ports and everything else a little bit later on, but he's just kind of like the head nut of a very large group of the national guard
1: so this actually that took place that takes this all takes place in sixty eight yeah so in at some point he gets married, and I'm trying to figure out when it is he settles he finally meets a nice girl, a proper standing, and he gets married
0: it it's me mean, it means nothing he had no. a million mistresses
1: well here's the other thing too he he marries her for status is kind of what i was getting yeah. at cuz he's trying to raise his own status also as he's a second lieutenant in 66 prior to the coup noriega spent a couple months taking courses at the school of the americas that was basically like the military college that was or the, the college that go. was there in the military or in the panama canal zone that was run by like the government so he was able to take classes on infantry operations and counterintelligence, uh, jungle warfare. And then kind of like you were talking, he did that time where he took the courses in psychological operations at Fort Bragg. And so he's keeping up to date on his courses. He's wanting to stay current.
0: He just seemed like every step that he took for the CIA would not only bolster his status with them, but it just made him a more valuable asset to everybody.
1: Yeah, do you think he also, at this point, saw it as a way to find out what the most current tactics of the CIA were to know how to then counter those when he eventually was going to stop listening? Um, like, it, it makes, I don't know if he's smart enough, but if you think back on it, you know, hindsight, it would make a lot of sense to be like, of course I'm going to go learn what tactics they're using. They can teach them to me, and then because I know them, they can't use them against me.
0: It's plausible. It definitely could have been. I think more, (laughs) there was nothing that was going to stop what was happening when the U S finally came to get him. Like God and everybody wasn't going to be able to stop that whole situation. Mm -hmm. But I think he knew that he was learning money, making strategies because part of what he was doing would be, uh, he would record different parts of the american military that he was around and then he would send those recordings off to like russia he would send them off to cuba he would send them off to communist countries and he was selling this information too to them
1: oh that's right to the
0: highest bidder to make sure that he not only was getting paid by the cia but he was using the information the cia was making him get in order to or to basically pass that along to other communist countries. So he was making money on both ends of this deal. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure the CIA may have caught wind through something that the communists were getting intel from him. But again, he was such a valuable asset to them that they couldn't tell him to... They just basically slapped him on the wrist, like you say, and told him to stop. Like, there was no um, action taken really beyond that.
1: Well... And so what happened as far as... And to kind of elaborate on the, the coup that brought them into power into 60, in 68. So what happened is um, this uh, Arias guy, he ends up getting elected. And after he gets elected, he starts basically launching kind of a purge of the National Guard to try to take people out of position that are likely to fucking turn against him or try to take over the country. Eh. A natural thing to probably do. And what that basically does is that sets the coup plan in motion. And there's somebody else that's also involved with this. It is, um, there's a guy, his name is something Martinez, uh, Boris Martinez. So he was actually, I think he was the guy that was actually in charge of Torrejos. So him, Torrejos, and then via Torrejos, Noriega was in.
0: in Martinez may have been the one that lost the election to Arias.
1: No, what it was, I think, is that, yeah, he might have lost it, and then he was the one that set the coup in motion and gained, uh, basically, because Arius was going after the military, he gained the loyalty and support of the other commanders in the military. So kind of Arius didn't go about it the right way, but still. And what happened is, as Martinez launched the coup, he ended up taking over. Arius was able to actually leave... Or this is when Arya snuck out.
0: Mm-hmm, got out of the country.
1: And then um Martinez actually, as he's getting into the presidency, he gets like double couped, and Torejos um his men grab Martinez and they send him actually into exile in Miami. It's a good move. So then that's how Torejos. So basically it was like a double coup. Coup on it was coup on coup. <laughs> But that's just crazy how it's like, whenever you see in a movie, it's like, double cross! (laughs) Double, double cross! That's exactly
0: what it is. Uh, Yeah, it's like, it becomes a free-for-all. And you just have to hope that you have enough support behind you. You just, you can't trust anybody. That's the whole point that I got from all this, was just, you can't trust anybody that you're trying to do some shady shit with. I just... I just see Noriega watching that unfold and being like,
1: Martinez is like, I took it over and he's like, oh. And then Terreos is like, not so fast, and then
0: he goes like eee! Well when it comes time for them to fill Tereo's position, which we'll talk about later, mm-hmm. he does the exact same shit basically. Like yeah. he, he figures out the two higher guys that are in command that also want the position. Mm-hmm. He's like, Okay, well, I'm gonna get one of you out of the way, then I'm gonna leapfrog the other one, and then I'm gonna take the power. Yeah. Just a, a wild move that he definitely had to have seen when Tereo said Martinez taken prisoner.
1: So, okay, I got to pee before we go any more of okay. this. We're, we're getting right into like the power stage. So, oh, uh,
0: we still have some fun because Terejos has an attack. No, no, I know. Too. What I'm
1: getting is in when like Noriega gets like almost untapped power yeah. prior to even being in full power. Oh, yeah. Okay. All right, while well, we take a break from class and uh, take care of some business, you can also take care of some business.
0: If you don't follow us on Instagram or Twitter already, our Instagram handle is historically high pod. That's historically high pod. And our Twitter is historically high. That's historically hi.
1: All right. And back to our show. All right. So we are. I can't believe I lose track so easy on a bathroom break of where we we're at. Okay. So well, at this point.
0: You were pretty uh, pumped telling me about the stuff you agreed with Kanye about. I know. <laughs> <laughs>
1: I we don't are even the, have a response to never <laughs> <laughs> Trying to figure out <laughs> a rad asshole.
0: We are to the the second. Torrejos uh, is in power now. Yeah, Torrejos is in power. This to me, this is where I think that Torejos may have known that um, Noriega had a bit of a in with the American government because mm-hmm. Torrejos is on vacation. I want to say it was in Mexico.
1: Yeah, at the end of 1969, Torrejos went to Mexico on a holiday. And a coup was actually launched in his absence. Like, you can't even fucking go on vacation without someone trying to take the fucking, the presidency. Well, It's like, where are we, honey, we need to take the kids on a trip. Uh, okay, we can leave, we can go 50, anywhere 50 miles from here. So, uh, if I'm gone any further, someone's going to try to take this shit.
0: <laughs> Tarejos is in kind of an interesting position because they, how many, oh, there it is. Well, they, hold on. Just
1: just as a result, real quick, to get through this thing. Just as a result of that coup, Noriega oh, had enough loyalty. It allowed Torrijos to hang on. So basically, Noriega- we got to tell the whole
0: story. Okay, go ahead. Because it's an incredible caper. Okay. So, at this time, the American government is working with the Panamanians to try to figure out a treaty to try to figure out what they're going to do with the Panama Canal. This has been going on for fucking ever. It, it had, but... Arias was more of a like easier to deal with in the treaty, and as soon as Torreos takes power, I thought, I thought Arias
1: was the one that wanted to return to Panama even more, and Noriega or Torrejos were the ones that were.
0: Torrejos basically shut down all the negotiations. Okay, and that was when America finally stepped in. They're like, "Hey, your boy Torreos." Bad news. We're going to kick him out. We're going to make sure that he doesn't make it back into oh, power. Shut,
1: shutting down negotiations in a sense of like, we're done talking here. Yep. Now it's fucking go time. Yeah. Like, if you guys are going to stay here, some shit's going to happen. Gotcha. Okay, yes. Arias was more willing to work mm-hmm. for an agreement. Gotcha.
0: And so the American government tells Noriega that, lets him know that they're backing a coup with Arias loyalists and other parts of the National Guard to take Tureo in, and I I guess just kind of get him out of power. Were, it was a, a U.S.-backed coup to try to take him out. Mm. U.S.-backed,
1: so, not U.S. When we say U.S.-backed, it basically, we're the bank. Resources. It's not like we're, It's yep. not like we're sending troops or anything like that. We're basically just like, hey, here's some money. Hire some guys and do this shit.
0: So now that Noriega has that information, He knows that it's probably not going to be good if Torreos gets taken in because he knows that he can control Torreos and he'll just basically let him do whatever he wants Mm -hmm. to do. So Noriega goes ahead and calls up Torreos, who I'm sure was probably tough to find out there on the beaches in Mexico over vacation. Tells him, hey, you got to get your ass back down here. They're forming a coup against you. Like If you don't get back into the country, you're fucked. And I think at that point, maybe Torreos knew like, hey, how'd you know this? And there may have been an exchange of information like the American government told me that they're going to make sure that this shit happens to you. So I could see that maybe being where Torreos knows that he works for the CIA.
1: I think that I think that is a a decent point. I think it was more so it, it just cemented the fact that Noriega like had fucking people everywhere that he was that smart.
0: Yeah, maybe I, he had, he
1: maybe he suspected, but to counter that just a little bit, if it was a U.S. backed coup, I don't know why they would have informed at all. Why he would think that Noriega would know about it?
0: I, you're absolutely right. It could have just been Noriega may have been gathering intelligence and knowing that there was a faction of the National Guard that wanted Torreos out.
1: And the fact too is that I think there was probably. Part of him that said, well, he's calling me to get me back there. When in essence, he probably could have tried to repel the coup and then take power. If he really wanted it and I left, he could have done it himself. So that probably does go and also give him a sense of this guy is still loyal.
0: A little bit. Yeah, it definitely leads loyalty in. Well, I mean, Noriega's promoted a
1: captain a month after it. So obviously, Torrejos is paying attention. And then in, like, 18 oh. months later, in 1970, he promotes him to the position of lieutenant colonel. And guess what he's now? Chief of military intelligence. That's his fucking dream
0: job. Yeah, so before that, <laughs> the way that he ends up smuggling Torejos back into the country was he knew that he couldn't trust members of the Guard that he didn't know. Oh, that's right. Because he knew that there was this uprising coming mm-hmm. for Torreos because the Americans got, and it to wasn't other- even like someone could like
1: kidnap him or anything is all it took was one person to be like, he's landing here. Yep. And then there would be no chance to get him into the country.
0: Uh, he would be arrested yes. just like that. So he finds this old shitty airstrip. I'm sure that they were using for a smuggling ring. Oh no, not at all. Why would there be an air fucking strip in the jungle? Uh, yeah. In the jungle out in the middle of nowhere. And he makes sure to take his loyalists with him in the trails loyalists. Excuse me, they fly him into Mexico, uh, Torejos and his family, on this shitty Cessna that yeah. barely made it. It's
1: like a jungle hopper. Okay? Yeah. It's a, it's a smuggling plane. It's probably like the yeah. little older twin engine prop planes and everything.
0: You weigh 70 kilos? Okay, you counterbalance this other mm-hmm. cocaine that we're smuggling in. They Get on the other side mm-hmm. of the plane. Kids on laps? Yep. Yeah. <laughs> so they smuggle him into the country. They take him, I think it was in a civilian truck, maybe something like that, some old shitty truck that was unsuspecting, sneak him back into the capital. He shows up, he's like, ta-da, I'm here, you can't coup me, uh, I- I'm back in power. I'm sitting in the throne, I'm in the trapezoidal office, can't touch me now. Apparently this raised his star power in Panama with the people. Like, I don't know if it was like they were brooding for an underdog story or mm-hmm. something and he successfully thwarted this coup. He becomes immensely popular at this point, toward he he won the love of the Panamanian people. Yeah. So him being extremely popular, kind of, I don't I don't know what that why that
1: reaction is like is weird to me. Like it should have been like, oh thank God there's not another coup, not like uh, yeah. quit yeah. leaving the fucking country, man. <laughs> like that would be my complaint <laughs> nowadays. Is like don't even let him coup, like. And- Get your shit in a row. How are these guys still doing this? But the people are like, oh, thank God he made it back. Maybe they were so fucking cooed out. (laughs) Just like The fact that they didn't have to go through another one, it wasn't his popularity. (laughs) It was the fact that just not having to go through another fucking change in leadership.
0: Thank God this is the same guy as before. Uh, They had a a really weird instance. Like you said, he got his, or like we were talking about, he got his promotion um, and... Him and Torrejos really sort of changed the landscape in Panama as far as, like, their economic pursuits. People also really like Torrejos because one thing that him and Noriega did was they turned it into, like, the banking capital of the world.
1: I don't know if they turned it into the banking capital, but what they did was they basically made it to be, like, almost like um, the banking rules were so lax. It almost became, like, the Swiss bank... Of the Americas, well,
0: that's what I'm talking about. Anybody yeah. that had money wanted to send it down there because they were charging them minimal taxes, or if they it, it's if and also if they just wanted to go ahead and pass money that was untraceable. Yeah, it was the easiest drug. It was, or yeah, it was. Money un, it's smuggling. like a Swiss bank
1: account. It's com- no one has access to it. Like you can't, the money can't be frozen. It can't be.
0: Yeah, they laundered so much money through these banks. They went well, from. Can you can you imagine like who
1: has to launder money? What do you mean? Like, just if think it just to your head. Who has to launder money? Like, who? Yeah, anybody what, that got their
0: money through unscrupulous means. Okay, so what does that say to you? Like, what kind of money do you get by... What what profession? It, it's all blood, dirty money. Like, drug it, dealer?
1: Yeah. Okay. What I'm saying is, like, think, if you were a drug dealer, that would be, of course, the place to have those kind of banks. And those type of banking laws, it—that's the fucking drug highway, Panama. It's the it's the narrow strip of land that fucking keeps the drug highway connected. Yeah. So instead of having then at that point to do banking in, like, because it explodes. I mean the the um, what am I trying to say? Like the um industry income, like the income of yeah. the country, it explodes. think of how much money has got to be being taken like that that money used to get all get sent to like europe or the cayman islands or all that kind of stuff for cleaning now they can just do it there of course it's gonna like instantly become profitable
0: i think so much of it was because they were sitting on so much money like before not having a bank close or anything like they did in Panama. They would have to sit on that money. They'd have to have storehouses. Everything would have to still be physical, to where they couldn't bring it into. Yeah, a bank. but you're,
1: when you take away these banking laws, it's not just that they didn't have. They had banking in Panama. It was probably just like Panamanian banks. Uh-huh. When you opened up and got rid of those regulations, they said it was worldwide banking that came into Panama. Well, and it, that's what comes with like the fucking dirty shit. When you when you make when you have no rules about money and finance and transactions, and I'm sure there was some type of supervision, but. That was like, that's the perfect place you would have put. That's like the only other place that you could think to put it that would be any more perfect
0: is in fucking Bogota. The CIA loved it too because yeah. the CIA was asking him about American um, accounts that were down yeah. there. So they were getting all this information, uh-huh. not only on Panamanian people in the drug smuggling cartels Mm -hmm. they're also getting all the information on all the american money that's trying to be hidden and shuffled around down there so i just a a brilliant thing for both of them and i think it was the whole no rules thing works both ways so you may not have rules when it comes to
1: your regulations for banking that means that the guy that's able to watch you guys noriega has no rules either about what he can and can't access in your accounts
0: you can't ask him any questions about Mm -hmm. what he's doing it exploded from, I think it was like three years' time. They went from 12 banks in the country of Panama to 110. It's all drugs in that area, man. And eh. It's billions. Of, like Of course it fucking blew up. Well, and this is where he uh, starts laundering Pablo Escobar's money and starts getting tied in with the Medellin cartel. But a tremendous cinematic scene that happens um, where Noriega makes his appearance on American film... Uh, Johnny Depp blow. Mm-hmm. You remember when he is, after he goes down and meets Padrino meets Pablo and he tells them or he tells them that he doesn't have a place to store all the money that Pablo wants to get him. Mm-hmm. And then Pablo goes, Hey, come with me. They fly into Panama. And when they sit down at that, uh, bank down there, they meet with, Noriega at the bank to set up the Panamanian bank accounts in Blow.
1: I'll have to watch that to refresh my memory. Uh, it's a very There's only one like known like uh like mini series about this guy or movie. Uh, and it's n- what like God's cho- it's something weird. Well about Nor it's like Noriega, God's Chosen or something like that. I yeah. didn't watch it because it just didn't look good, but like this is like this is a fucking mini series, man. This is a big whoops. For
0: the American government, that may also caught. be
1: why it doesn't get made. Yeah, that may be that's, the reason. That's more of what I'm I thinking. Forget, why we don't I learn a whole lot about, about that. that part. Yeah. So one thing too, like during this time, when Torrijos he retains power as a military ruler until 1981. So, kind of during um, that time, he negotiated with it's the torrijos Carter treaties with the U.S. President Jimmy Carter. There's actually a picture of them, I believe. Um, which ensured that control over the Panama Canal would pass to Panama in 1999.
0: December 31st, 1999.
1: Yes, I think we actually talked about that in the Panama Canal episode.
0: They turned it over as the millennium mm-hmm. changed.
1: So, and they would... Um, these treaties, as well as new labor code that included maternity leave, collective bargaining rights, and bonus pay made Torrijos popular in the Pan- in Panama despite the absence of Demi- – eh, I can't fucking read – democratic elections. Basically, like Torrijos and Noriega, their relationship relied on each other. Torrijos' Ture- strength was in being like the front man. He was presentable. The people loved him. He was like a hero. He didn't have the fucking pineapple face. And he wasn't also, I don't think he raped a bunch of sex workers. I don't know. He might have. That they knew about. Yes, that we know about. Still could have done it. I'm not sure. You so, know
0: where all that love from uh, Carter and Terejos came about, right? But the, the Shah that they hid for the Americans? Oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah. So the exiled Shah of Iran... Um, came over to America, mm-hmm. and in response to that, the Iranians brushed the American embassy, and I think they took, like, 50-ish people hostage?
1: Yeah. And so they were like, hey, quit holding the fucking Shah, and we'll let your people go. And
0: But they couldn't return the Shah to Iran, yeah. because as soon as he goes over there, his head gets
1: cut and off. And they couldn't return them to a U.S. ally. At this time, it's weird, because, like, Noriega's working for the CIA, but on the actual just, like... Political stage, like worldwide stage, Panama and America are like, they're not friends. No. I don't know if they're full blown hot enemies, but we don't like some of the stuff they're doing because they're so close to the whole communism shit and like. They have a military dictatorship. Exactly. And then, but in reality, they're really useful to the CIA. And so we're our friendly, which comes to the Trails Carter stuff and all. But like, so basically what we have to do with the Shah is we're like, well, we can't send him to an ally because then that looks like we're helping him. Mm-hmm. So we arrange for it that he goes to our buddy Noriega and goes to Panama. It was so it does it looks like it looks like it's just the Shah doing this. Because why would we send him to like an like arrange that? He so he's able to go and take refuge and what do they
0: up, what does he do? He drives the Shah around or flies him. Uh... He flies him around Panama pointing out any house and just telling him he goes, You want that? That's yours. Whether there's people living in it or not. I know. He's
1: like, just point one out and he yeah. finally he's like, This is a and he finally picks one for me. He's like, they're driving over like this island community and the this wealthier
0: huge, part of Panama. Yes,
1: and he's like, What about this one? This one's gonna be good for you, really good for you. And so he ends up basically getting the family out of there. I don't know what the fuck happens to him, sets him up. Charges him like ten thousand dollars or something like that a month for rent for these little shacks for the guards that he's also paying for. He makes the Shah pay for it, and then he also sends a bill to the CIA for it. Double double drop on the check, and so then he writes off part of it, like that he he's paying for with government funds, or that like the Shah is paying for, but he keeps the American funds. So he's just getting he made
0: twelve million dollars.
1: Yeah, off just that.
0: And this was all – he was appointed to watch over the Shaw by Torrejos because this had to be like a formal, like, we're sending him down Mm -hmm. here from Carter to Torrejos and all that. Torrejos is the one that puts him in charge, which, again, I I just – I really feel like Torrejos may have known the CIA connection to kind of put that all together to be – or maybe the U.S. asked for him to be under Noriega's watch. But there had to have been some kind of communication there to – to make that relationship a little bit more known. It was. I mean, the whole thing
1: is, is like Torejos and Noriega with what I was saying with it being kind of like symbiotic. So basically Torejos needed Noriega, Noriega needed Trejos Noriega at this point, I don't know if he had the capability. I think he ends up finding it. Or no, he doesn't really find it like because he doesn't have it, but he needs a guy like Torrejos to be the front man where he does everything behind the scenes.
0: He's a shadow ruler.
1: Yes, he's he's basically the guy whispering behind the throne. If you're familiar with Lord of the Rings at all, he's the Grima Wormtongue when King Theoden is all like decrepit and shit.
0: And if you're not familiar, he's the uh, guy behind the curtain in the Wizard of Oz. The, yes. So,
1: basically... Noriega provides intelligence to Torrejos. He makes the decisions or goes with what, you know, Noriega is suggesting. And basically, like, Noriega would carry out these, like, covert operations. A lot of them were critical to Torrejos successfully negotiating the release of the Panama Canal from the U.S. So that makes him, like you said, even more popular. So he owes more to Noriega. Um, Yeah, I mean just in that brief amount of time they changed so much like like you were saying negotiated for the release of the Panama Canal of course it wasn't then it was going to be in 99 but still the fact that that existed um, saw the huge number of expansion for like international business activity with all the banking um,
0: the, yeah. the sole I, amount of jobs alone that that provides to a country that's trying to come up and trying to raise their middle class to know that there's that many banks and that many new opportunities you're going to be loved by the people.
1: Yeah, like what do you think what what's the biggest thing that like if an administration in our company um accomplishes is the biggest thing? Bringing jobs. Yeah. Employment. That's like that's what always gets hammered, the unemployment rate and how many high-paying jobs are you creating? That kind of shit. So, the fact that it's like we're creating jobs, we're bringing in money, that's going to make you popular with anybody. No one hates money. Yeah, you do some shady shit, but it's not Tereos. It's it's
0: Noriega doing the shady shit. Well, Tereos has like a weird, not necessarily a face turn at this point, but he kind of falls out of love with being the leader. Like he, money sort of becomes something where he's just like, eh. I have enough money. I don't need any more. Mm-hmm. He stops cheating on his wife and supposedly falls back in love with her, which is nice. nice sentiment, nice thought. Uh, this all leads to a... Oh, the beautiful tale of dictatorship. Yeah. The silver lining. Well, it, it leads to a very unfortunate plane crash in which Torreos is involved in that, excuse me, highly speculated um, may have just been an accident. He ran into the side of a mountain and it killed him. Uh, There's some talk that the CIA may have still wanted him out, and that was how they took care of him. Maybe this was Noriega making his first play for power for the full-on dictatorship. Maybe it was Noriega seeing that he was turning soft and was going to kind of turn into somebody that Noriega didn't want to deal with.
1: And here's the thing, too. So there's a lot of speculation with that. At this point, too, Noriega still isn't the number two. It always kind of is weird. Like Torrejos needs Noriega, Noriega needs Torrejos, but he always kind of keeps him a little bit of a buffer between them, because as soon as Torrejos is dead, you have uh, Colonel Ruben what is it? It's Ruben Paredes. Paredes, and then Colonel Contreras that are kind of in play here for the for the dictatorship essentially of Panama.
0: I murdered the spelling of Contreras so bad.
1: I figured I had gotten Contreras better I than I got Paredes.
0: My too. That's a bad fuck up.
1: So when this goes down, how is it that um, Manuel ends up on top?
0: Uh, they, <laughs> I don't know if this was, it had to have been a collaborative effort, but everybody just wasn't on the same playing field. Cause Paredes and Contreras both wanted power. Um, And Manuel obviously wanted power, being third and third in line. Basically, these two guys were two higher up generals than he was. I believe that's what I'm saying is like he never made.
1: It's almost like he had he he had to keep Noriega close, like he always had to have him close. Like these guys were probably in different parts of the country with different sized garrisons and everything, but like they were technically higher ranking than Noriega, but maybe not as valuable. It just seems like why wouldn't you make, do you think it was something to where he was like, well, if I make Noriega a colonel, then he's going to be the natural person that if I die is automatically going to get in that role, which does that make him trying to kill me look more appealing? Or if I keep a couple guys between me and him, that would then have a play for it. Maybe it would kind of, I don't know. Um, if we keep him in the hole and not on deck, then yeah, he's not going to. Exactly. Maybe it would disinterest him to know that he's got a fuck, you know, a couple guys between him and the the throne.
0: Yeah, I just uh, that seems like a, a very logical thing to to want to keep him close, but want to keep a buffer between the two because he is so dangerous. So these three uh, mental trusts come together and decide that the best plan of action is going to be Paredes takes power. Um, he holds it for it was like four or six years, something like that. Then he hands the power off to Contreras for four years. It's all all equal. Yeah, well, during that time, Paredes is transitioning into a more of the public eye, so he will then run for president of the country. Okay. And then after he becomes president, or in the time where Contreras is in charge, Mm -hmm. he's starting to build that up. It's like everybody gets everybody else's role. Yeah, so everybody will be leader at one point or the other. Yes,
1: essentially – you know, Paredes moves from this colonel to president. Now the colonel moves from that place to Contreras' his old spot, and then Noriega gets the third spot. So it's the craziest fucking thing. Like, you're going to expect, like, there to be an honor a- among this. Like, you get it for four, you get it for four, then I get it for four.
0: I, there was just no, no way. It, the way that I kept reading this is like, okay, they had a plan, so uh Noriega's not going to jump the line. Like he's he's just going to wait until he gets his stuff. He's still going to be running yeah. his game. But he just immediately um starts fucking with these two guys. And it's, wait, it's not Contreras, it's Herrera. Is it? Not Herrera yeah,
1: Contreras. So no. So basically what happens is after Terejo's dies, sorry to jump back a little bit. His Inherited position gets inherited by this guy named Florencio Flores Aguilar. He inherits uh, Torio's position. The actual power, though, is with the trio of Noriega, Diaz Herrera, and Ruben Paredes. I'm not sure where Contreras is on this, but basically they rank just below them. So basically Flores was removed in a very quiet coup, like... And then by general agreement, Paredes was made leader until 1983, after which the military would work to ensure his elected uh, president during the actual legitimate, I'm doing air quotes, election, which was scheduled for 84. And then during this period, Noriega became a full colonel and the National Guard's chief of staff, mm-hmm. effectively the second highest rank in the country. And then they were going to, you know, then secede each other in those roles. And at that point, once he became the chief of staff of the military, that's when Noriega reformed it from the National Guard into the dun-dun-dun Panama Defense Force. PDF. That's where that came
0: from. Huh? I, I kept hearing PDF and I couldn't figure out how they transitioned. That's what it stood for, Panama Defense Force. Oh, and he was able to expand it and modernize it with the financial assistance of the United States. I, they played such big roles in all of this and uh, hey guy
1: we know there's been a lot of like shifting down there a lot of different people in power so how's about this we give you a whole bunch of money and you get a whole bunch more guys and then that way you
0: can stay in power and he still uh, he never really wanted the spotlight till he finally takes it because after he's in that position, um, he ends up installing a guy who was the president of one of the banks in Panama, Nicholas Barletta, and he was running against another anti-military, um, another anti-military uh, presidential candidate. Mm-hmm. Because Arias comes back, and Arias comes back from Miami to. He still has support in the country. Oh, yeah. yeah. He's, he's still loved. And I'm sure they probably thought that he got a little bit of a raw deal. So when the election comes between Barletta and Arias, it becomes very clear very quickly that Barletta is just going to get smoked. Um, there's a ton of protesters. I guess the way that they have it set up is there's like a big breeder board or something down in the town square. Mm-hmm. And they're actually showing the vote counts. And they're seeing that Barletta is getting smoked. And as Barletta is getting smoked, um, Manuel goes ahead and steps in. And they start firing shots in the square. And there were 40 people injured. And I believe there was one that Mm -hmm. was killed. And as they take them out, Noriega tells them to start boosting up Barletta's votes. Ends up completely swaying the election and taking, taking the position for Barletta. He's he's essentially
1: the de facto ruler. Yeah, it, Barletta's the, a puppet. He's a puppet ruler.
0: Well, and he, he's going to do everything that Noriega wants. Oh, him to Oh, he doesn't
1: do. make any decisions. I no. don't think this guy makes any decisions
0: without Noriega making the decisions for him. I, he just he needed a fall guy. Kind of that was sort of his move was just to make sure that he had a fall guy. And uh, just so many weird things that go on. Um, I, <laughs> there's another guy that his name's Hugo. He was a doctor. He was a military doctor, I believe. Hey, he sounds like a he's like warrior angel. If yeah, like, he just on the it. battle.
1: They said he could like, you know, a guy with like a stethoscope in one hand and like a fucking AK-47 in the other. Like he was a, a Panamanian hero kind of. Hey,
0: just a, a really great dude. He starts challenging and speaking up against Noriega and yes. kind of shining a light Hugo on... Spatifora. Hugo Spadafora. Hugo Spadafora? Spadafora. He was a physician and political activist. He had clashed
1: with Noriega when they were both members of Torrijos' government, actually. And then even though he was an ally of Torrijos, him and Noriega had been actually personal enemies for a long time, which is crazy. Like, it's, this is like the plot of a movie. Oh, like, yeah. Like, these, like, people coming back in to, like, challenge him, which, you know, in this situation, it's unfortunate that Spadafora came back at this time because Noriega had amassed too much power.
0: Well, and Spotify was up in Miami drawing up, basically helping the American government start to file charges against Noriega for the gun smuggling. The other part of the government that didn't wasn't working with Noriega. Yeah, and the CIA yeah. keeps telling them, like, no, like you're not going to charge him. Like,
1: filing up. Yeah, they're filing charges with the Justice Department about Noriega for, I think it was... Tax. It was tax shit in Miami because of like drug smuggling and that and kind then of stuff.
0: Weapons smuggling because yeah. he had a couple just really weird instances, and I'm trying to remember the Rebel Force that uh, he was supplying weapons to, but a plane full of military weapons that were heading to these rebels ends up crashing, mm-hmm. and it becomes obviously national news. He and was supporting someone. I think it was in Nicaragua. The, no, it, it was, um, El Salvador. Yes. And but
1: he wasn't supposed to be supporting them. No, like he was the, supporting
0: uh, the rebels to try to oust that president. Yes.
1: But like, he ended up like, he was either like double dealing or like double dipping or something and was sending like arms that the American sent or funds that they sent to support the, their side. He was then sending that shit to the other side who was paying him. And then when one of these planes got shot down, they found out about it, and America was like, hey, knock it off. Don't I, do
0: that again. And that was all it was, was hey, knock it off. Yeah. So he's not getting any pushback from the Americans, but Spotify has come onto his radar as somebody who is... He has a lot of local support. It's someone that could challenge him.
1: Enough to where it would be like, if they went at it like politically and everything, Spotify could beat him. And then in that scenario, he would have no choice but to just completely, like, pretty much admit that, yes, this is a dictatorship. And this is me being the dictator Mm -hmm. of the country.
0: Yeah, Barletta is just my puppet. Mm Mm-hmm. So, Spadafora is enemy number one um, in Panama just because Noriega wants him rubbed out. He ends up coming back into the country, and he's on a bus. The... Um... PDF goes ahead and stops the bus. He's
1: traveling, yeah. So he was traveling into, from Costa Rica into Panama. Yeah. Right, right through fucking Noriega's stomping grounds.
0: Uh, yeah, Noriega controls all the border crossings and everything like that, so obviously he's gonna have a lookout mm-hmm. for this guy. They pull him off the bus and <laughs> he meets a very, very sad ending. They pull him off the bus. They arrest him. There's all these witnesses of this happening. He, he stands up. He says what his name
1: is, who he like, who he is, what he's doing there, and where he's coming from and going. Basically, just tries to provide a bunch of witnesses and details. And, yeah, he's taken by a group of PDF officers or troops. And, yeah, it doesn't seem like it's very fun what occurred.
0: Rape, tortured... Uh, just absolutely. They said that he was, um, after everything that happened, just a little gruesome detail, uh, he was beheaded while he was still alive. Mm-hmm. And it may have been like the next day or a couple days later, they actually found his torso in a U.S. postal bag, which mm-hmm. seems like a weird choice. And it had the unit's like, designation carved into it. Yeah. It, it, yeah, leave it, your fucking calling card. Just like, some- some real sick shit that's going on. And I, I, it may have been a message because I think that's what a lot of the political opponents ended up when they would get captured. The guardsmen would carve their, whatever, their troop numbers mm-hmm. into the body. So it was kind of relatively well known if you found that it was a a military killing. Well, and because of that, and it was almost like
1: Spadafore had come out openly and actively against... Noriega accusing him of you know, being part of the drug smuggling trade and everything like that while he was in exile. So when he was coming back in, people knew that Noriega was, was against him. So the prime suspect was already Noriega. Now you take into account that you can see that he has marks on him that he was murdered by the military.
0: And all the witnesses on the
1: bus all, saw yeah. him being taken away. Exactly. So basically what this does is this completely just like destroys Noriega's image, both within and outside Panama. And then basically creates like a crisis for the whole regime. So Barletta was actually in New York when Spadafora was murdered. And of course, they're going to – if the president of – was he? Yeah, he was considered president. Yeah. Um, when the president of Panama – is in New York. There's going to be some reporters and press around him. And when they find out that this guy who is accusing Noriega has been murdered with all of this stuff, they pretty much, I think, they jump him on the spot. And so Barletta, while he's there, he announces his intention to appoint an independent commission to investigate the murder. And so basically, as soon as he gets back to Panama, he's forced to resign by the military and he's replaced with the vice president who's, uh, Eric Arturo de Valle.
0: Well, Barletta really, I think, thought that Noriega didn't do it. Because when he comes back down and he finds out that that happened and he gets the results of the investigation, he ends up, after he's removed from power, he then goes up and helps the exact same prosecutors in Miami that are drawing up the the warrant to arrest Noriega. Mm -hmm. He then helps them. So he turned and flipped on them, too. He's like, he got out of the fucking country, man. And sort of. Can
1: you you just see, like, Noriega's watching TV, and he's watching the reporters asking him. He's like, what'd that motherfucker say he's going to start when he gets back?
0: (laughs) Yeah, make sure that we're the first people that meet him when he gets Mm -hmm. off the plane. Alexa, (laughs) set reminder (laughs) for when he lands. Alexa. Uh... This whole situation with Spotify turns out to be just the major thorn in Noriega's side pretty much for the rest of his life. In 1986, um, Senator Helms and John Kerry, I guess Senator Kerry, John Kerry, whatever. It's it's easier to remember John Kerry. uh, Go ahead and open up an investigation into the Spotify murder after talking to Barletta and understanding what he knew. Um, Noriega... In response to a, um, I think it was Seymour Hersh that wrote the article. Mm -hmm. Not very happy about the investigation. CIA obviously is very not happy about the investigation because that's their guy. Uh, Then Hersh writes this article. It gets run front page of the New York Times, basically outs him for all the bad shit that he's done. Uh, Noriega throws a fit and just goes ahead and seizes a ship going through the Panama Canal or it may have been going to the Panama Canal, but just seizes an American Freightliner just because he's angry about the, the article, like just a a major tantrum that he throws because he's mad that he is like you were talking about in the beginning, starting to get checked. This, This is
1: kind of, I think this is the linchpin moment for him. And it's weird to say that like, after all he ends up getting away with prior to this, it's the murder of kind of like a political opponent that does this. So in the end, Weirdly enough, Spotify does, in a way, kind of win. Um, But what ends up happening is Barletta, he was actually kind of highly regarded by the Reagan administration, so he was able to, like, negotiate, and they had good relations. So that's on the worldwide stage, Mm -hmm. Panama. So the the relation on that stage actually deteriorated pretty. um, That's caused some downturn on it. Now, after the murder, then the CIA started to view Noriega essentially as a liability rather than an asset. And so they started to kind of lower his financial assistance, started pressuring him to reform their banking laws, like the secrecy laws, crack down on narcotics trafficking. Traffic. Basically they said, you're at this point where your usefulness, you're no longer, you're out useful. no longer weighs outweighs. So now you need to start handling shit in your own country. So we don't have to end up stepping in. And even like within the PRD, Apparently, Spotify's murder, it actually even created, like, divisions within there. So, I mean, it fucking, like, it cracked a lot of places for him.
0: Uh, Yeah, it it was the beginning of the end. And he, one of the things that I think really pissed off the CIA was they told him to go ahead and get rid of all of the um, documents that he had pertaining to, like, their relationship and anything that went into the... Uh, murder of Spadafora, and Norrie's like, eh, I'm not going to do that. You guys don't have that much control over me. I'm not going to burn the evidence. Yeah, no kidding. Like, you guys are up there. I'm down here. I'm not going to fucking do that. Yeah, uh, sure. I'll, I'll go ahead and put him in the shredder. Yeah. Like, it just, it never happened. So he was already trying to buck the CIA's kind of their watchful eye and maybe it's because he has had so much power at this point that he thinks that he's outgrown the cia mm-hmm. and it's just kind of that last descent up the mountain of crazy where he turns his back on the organization that's basically made him like without the CIA, he wouldn't have been anywhere near the spy that he was and kind of the player on such a world stage that he was. Oh, yeah. And I mean,
1: even to the point too where, I mean, his, you know, his image and credibility had been damaged so badly that Dia Herrera, kind of the second guy that was helping out, uh-huh. he considered using that whole thing to actually plan a coup against Noriega to seize power during that period. Because he apparently during kind of this uproar, Noriega traveled outside the country. He's like, I probably need to get away for a bit, let things cool down. Um, he even mobilized some troops, and he eventually decided against it. Why do you leave um, the country? You know
0: that's the move.
1: If as you have, you- I, he's got he's got a you know kind of a god complex. I don't think he really could have been. He's not getting he's getting checked, but there's no consequences yet. We haven't really done anything. He still thinks he's untouchable, man. So he ends up leading, and. Or leaving doesn't have to worry about the coup anyway. He even made a deal with his deputy basically that he would, and Dia Hernandez his his deputy basically, that he was gonna step down as military leader in 1987 and then allow Dia Herrera to secede him. However, of course, Noriega fucking is like, psych! And he was actually gonna be heading the military for the next five years. And then he assigned Diaz Herrera to like a diplomatic post. And then Dia Herrera is like, fine, motherfucker, you wanna fucking cross me? And he ends up coming out by making some public statements, accusing Noriega of basically rigging that election, the one that he interfered with, like all the voting and Mm -hmm. shit in '84, murdering Spadafora, just coming out fucking saying it, and then trafficking in drugs as well as assassinating Torrijos with a bomb on his plane. (laughs) So he comes out basically. He he's so fucking pissed. Of course, like he basically was supposed to get that position, and Noriega was like, "Nope, fuck you," and five years more of me. So say something. He's like, all right, I'll fucking say something, and it caused huge protests. Hundred thousand people, approximately like twenty five percent of the population of Panama City, marched in protest one of the days. Shit, I mean, that one thing kind of brought it all all crashing down. And he decided to you know bite the hand that was feeding him, so he didn't have anything you know a backup plan to hold on to. Uh,
0: Noriega's ultimate plan. I'm sure through all those protests and everything, I it's I kind of think it's like what you said. He he didn't know if there what to do.
1: He was only comfortable if there was someone above him that was like shadowing him. He was working in the shadows. As soon as he had to be the guy, I mean, what I'm saying is like he wasn't like, oh, geez, I can't do this. But I think psychologically he couldn't handle
0: that because I mean he was out fucking partying and going to like, you know, he had mistresses. Yeah, he, he had all sorts of different things that were going on. December 15th, 1989, he plays the ultimate card of not knowing what to do when you have nobody to check you. He goes ahead and declares himself the maximum leader of Panama and maximum (laughs) leader. (laughs) Yeah. I don't know who else he ran that name by, but he could have figured it out better. Uh, Then goes ahead and suspends the Panamanian constitution. So, just declares himself like the overarching. Again, is you know,
1: history repeats itself. Got people trying to. This guy actually had the unfortunate ability to do that. Yeah. Instead of just fucking, fucking tweeting out that he was going to try to do it, or it should have been done.
0: It just, it's so crazy to think that that's the move to to put yourself as the maximum leader, and just be like, now this whole constitution thing we've been going on for however long Panama's been a country. We're just not going to do that Think of the goddamn robe. They were a fucking ML on it. Max Leader. Design
1: yourself a fucking logo.
0: That just completely burned the bridge between the U.S. and uh, Noriega. Noriega flew too close to the sun and he realizes that the U.S. is going to be coming for him. So he makes sure that all his forces are on high alert and one night, I don't think I have that memorized as where it was, but there were four Marines that were traveling by car. Um, they get blocked in by soldiers, and it was he was hiding out somewhere nearby, I think. Oh. He had
1: started to kind of hide out a little bit, and it was literally them going down the wrong street. It was just chance a chance meeting, so he was hiding somewhere. It wasn't like they drove like when we're driving into like a house or anything like that. He, of course, like would take over like a block of the town. So these Marines were coming through, and it got to the point where like they got to the front of the line. And there were no more cars ahead of them, and like tensions were getting fucking high. And the Marine driving just punched it to try to get like through to get to safety. And they shot at the back of the car, and they hit the guy in the back seat, and they shot, wounded him. Didn't know where the hospital was, and by the time they got him to somebody, he had died a couple minutes later.
0: Just an absolute crazy turn of events, and the car behind them, unfortunately for them, was an American couple that was older. Oh, yeah. They got fucking dragged out of their
1: car and...
0: And then questioned as to what they knew about the Marine. The guy got
1: fucking the shit beat out of him. They were kicking him in the fucking dick and the balls and, like,
0: it, fucking that-
1: just abusing the shit out of him and everything.
0: That was a weird thing that kept popping up in the yeah. research was that they would kick him in the groin. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's kind of a crazy. That's, that's old school. <laughs> yeah, it is old school. Then they also told him that if they didn't release the information that they were going to rape his wife right in front of yeah. him. Yeah, Which just very bad intentions. Somehow he convinces them that he actually didn't know about it. They end up getting released. Go immediately back to the Americans and tell them what happened. Mm-hmm. Tell them their treatment, what they saw happen to the Marines car, just everything that they knew about it, which led um George the First, uh King George the mm-hmm. First, Herbert Walker.
1: George HW.
0: Yeah, George H. W. Yeah,
1: because W is just yeah, it's just W.
0: W is our sweet dumb prince.
1: Man. Uh just reading his children's stories. God, you know it's gotten bad. When you look back fondly on W, because he was just like, he was, you know, he was just moronical.
0: Somebody threw a fucking shoe at him.
1: I know. He was like, <laughs> he was moronical, but like,
0: even like compared, like, he wasn't like, he didn't seem threatening. No. Hey, ultimately, an extremely not great president was... With- everything that he pulled and the things he tried to so, cover. sometimes
1: people come along that are just meant to change your viewpoints on people yeah,
0: just but he's just the lovable dumb idiot that he was was just such a great thing he also i think got a lot of love just because i think it was his first year that 9-11 happened mm-hmm. yeah it just god damn it he got a lot of love for a lot of things and ultimately i think that he's look back on as somebody that I enjoy seeing, but then I remember his record. And I'm like, God damn it, dude, you shouldn't have done any of this stuff. But, uh, his dad, George Herbert Walker Bush launched the largest military operation since Vietnam on foreign soil. He sent down, I think it was 20,000 soldiers. Mm-hmm. And, uh, ultimately before this invasion happens, Um, Noriega gets word that the American forces outside the country are really starting to ramp up and they're about to start heading in. So Noriega scatters, he, he runs, he's Mm -hmm. hiding in safe houses. He's trying to cover his own ass. Uh, the day after he finds this out, I think it was either the day or two, maybe after that he ends up escaping from the palace. The Americans send in fighter jets and bomb the absolute fuck
1: fuck out of it, out of
0: the palace. Mm Mm-hmm. Then the next day, they sent people in to try to find survivors, which there are no survivors They're in the con- They
1: were confirming bodies. <laughs> and they were trying to find out if they had killed him.
0: More likely. Yeah. Uh, nobody's in there, or the people that were in there weren't Noriega. And so he's on the run. Uh, a weird move that he pulls, and I'm not sure why they let him in, but he actually went and sought shelter in the Vatican City Embassy. Okay, do you want to hear the story of how...
1: They got him to turn himself in.
0: Yeah. Is it, did you listen to the story of the spy lady? Yeah, Duncan.
1: Yeah. Yes, okay. Yeah, that's so, the
0: British lady you were talking about, huh?
1: No, no, no. She's not British, the, the one that was running yes. the thing, but she's American.
0: Uh, but so, the British lady doing the interview yes, is Yes, that's exactly what I was
1: referring to. So what is her first name? I don't know. Oh, I want to be respectful. It's something Duncan. Give me two seconds. I want to give this lady your due because... Sherry,
0: I want to say, maybe?
1: No, it starts with an M, I want to say.
0: Marjorie?
1: Why will it not let me review the information on this bad boy?
0: Tell me what it's about. She was a very, very cool lady. Her whole kind of idea that she was born in the canal zone, and so she kind of technically was Panamanian. Like she had more of a love for the Panamanian people. Um, she worked on the base down there. I believe uh, she ran like the sports program.
1: Yeah. She ran, military. it was as much as you could call it a sports program. Basically she would work to arrange like sports competitions as weird as it sounds between like all the Americans down there and like members of like the Panamanian military. So it was supposed to be some type of like goodwill kind of like program, I'm guessing, to kind of inspire camaraderie or anything. But she was I mean, she was really good at it. It's just she finds her way into this very oddly. So she ends up then going to at some point she finds herself going to is it the FBI or she gets sent to do like counterintelligence training? CIA. CIA. So she ends up going in learning to be kind of like an analyst, but I guess analyst in CIA terms doesn't mean what it really means. Like analyst means you have a whole bunch of like skills. Yeah. It's almost like you're trained to be a field agent, but they call you an analyst. Yes. I think that's kind of what it is. So she ends up getting, um, when they know that there's going to be a plan to take Noriega out, they send her in and like a whole bunch of other specialized people, their job, huh? Martha Duncan, Martha Duncan. Okay. So, They send her as part of this team in and their job is to essentially keep tabs and locate Noriega. So when they do the invasion, the easiest way to have a successful like invasion, just find the fucking head of the snake. If they can capture, if they could have captured Noriega through like a black ops mission, like a helicopter, they would rather do that and just get him out of there without any civilian casualties so yeah. their job, their job is to basically, once the invasion happens, to know where Noriega's at, so they can find him and snatch him, take him out of power. So part of the way that she goes about this is as soon as the invasion happens, they lose track of him. He was at this hotel or something like that. But she had been down there for a while gathering information from locals. She had kind of grown up around there. She knew who to talk to. She was really fluent. She was a naturalist. I mean, she. there was no, you know, recognizing her, what am I trying to say, dialect.
0: Uh, she, like, she could
1: speak perfectly. She spoke
0: Panamanian she Spanish. Was a,
1: she was a local, as far as they were concerned.
0: Because she grew up in the canal zone.
1: Yeah. She went to a hair and nail parlor just because one of Noriega's like top mistress went there.
0: Women. And and she knows
1: that they like to talk. And I'm not saying this as a stereotype because this is exactly what happened Uh, is apparently this woman, what was her name? It started with an M, didn't it? Okay. So (coughs) one of Noriega's mistresses, I think her name was like Mia or Maya or something like that. And she, this um, special, Duncan, she basically is like there's something to this i'm going to try to use this as a way to keep tabs on noriega because he likes spending time with his mistress and so she finds out information from her through like the hair salon and all this kind of stuff and when it comes time for the invasion to happen she's trying to track down noriega she's like i know that the mistress can help with this i know this could be a way we could try to find him i know he's going to try to come to her at some point or something she fucking just looks up the family's phone number in the fucking phone book and she calls and it's the mom that picks up. And of course she speaks perfect, you know, Panamanian, whatever the Spanish and basically is like the mom's name was something. She addresses the mother and asks if the daughter is there. Daughter answers the phone and she pretends to be this woman, Maria who works for Noriega Noriega and is checking on her to see how she's doing. And she's like, how is he doing? Like, is he okay? And she's like, he's okay. Um, We can't tell you where he is or anything like that, obviously. Um, If you get to a a point where you feel like you're in danger, I'm going to give you a number to call me back and we can send someone to get you. And so she's like, okay. And so they leave it at that. She's like, I got to hope something comes of this. A a day later, she calls back and she's like, I think I need to get out of here. Like, can you send someone to pick me up? Her
0: name was Vicky Amato.
1: V- Vicky. That's right. Okay. So, um, Martha can't find, she, she doesn't have a lot of resources allocated to her. So she's like, I got to find like a local car to go pick this up. Cause she's supposed to be masquerading for someone who's there working for Noriega. And so she ends up finding car through like one of her contacts that she had established there. She goes and she ends up picking up Vicky. They have like some type of like system where they describe what they're wearing and what they're going to be wearing when they pick each other, up. so they know it's confirmation. So as she picks her up, I don't think they were really talking. They might have talked about a few things, but they start driving toward like the American, like the Canal Zone and like the American military part. And as they get within like eye of the gate, she kind of starts getting uneasy, and she's like, "What's going on?" And she's like, "Don't worry, everything's okay. We're taking you somewhere safe."
0: It was a it was a goddamn American military base yeah. that was down there. I'm and, sure that was. Like The panic of being caught by somebody that was trying to kill Noriega, bad. Yeah. Knowing that you're walking into a place that is trying to kill Noriega, much more scary. Well, and I mean, this woman was
1: so good at her fucking job. Um, Martha was so fucking good at her job. She was able to, through not forcible or anything like that, but she was able to get as much trust as she could from this woman to the point where this woman also had a kid or a couple kids or something like that. So I'm guessing that the negotiations to get her to cooperate were something along the lines of you're in deep shit because you're in with Noriega. There's a lot of ways we can connect you to the shit that he's done. You could lose your kids. um, You know, you're going to go to jail, all this stuff. Or you play ball with us, those kids are going to get a nice happy life in America where they're going to have the best schools and safety And their futures are going to be so bright. What would you like to do? So eventually she is able to, um, she agrees to like contact Noriega. And this kind of goes into what you were saying at this point, literally, I think it's a day after she initially got picked up. Mm -hmm. That's when Noriega leaves wherever he was hiding and goes and turns himself in at the, um, Vatican city embassy which is so fucking crazy like that's how much of the you play into the whole you're your own nation you have an em- you have to have embassies
0: yeah i didn't really realize it till we were just talking about it but with the catholic influence in south america it kind of makes sense that they had an embassy down Come there on,
1: though like you already have your catholic churches but i guess you needed those aren't you know, protected by international, like, law where you can't, like, go into somebody else's. It's not enough. You have to have that. Like, the population of Vatican City is not even enough to have an embassy. It's just, it's crazy.
0: Did I tell you I've been there?
1: Vatican City? Yeah. No, I don't think you ever did. You did I knew it. you'd been to, you never mentioned it within our discussions of your Roman antics.
0: So it's the craziest thing. We walk through the... Uh, you walk uh, into the big gate. Well, it's just a big walled city, and it has this big giant obelisk that was stolen from, I think it was Egypt. Egypt. Yeah. And as we were going through there, we got sort of plowed before we walked in there, Mm -hmm. just super drunk. But it's crazy because as you walk in, a little bit of the sacrament. You're going (laughs) to you're going to the Lord's house. You might as well have a little bit of the blood of the sacrament. Uh, We had the blood of Christ in us at that point, but it's kind of weird because. I don't know if it's a correct term still, but there's like actual gypsies that just surround the outside of the walls. Mm-hmm. And it's like a little gypsy market that they have that they're selling all these goods. And then as soon as you walk into the Vatican City, all that stops. Yeah. Because it's it's just like you are walking it's into sovereign. another world. It's yeah, sover- it's, yeah, it's sovereign. Exactly, mm-hmm. it's sovereign territory. And the amount of people doesn't change, but just the cleanliness and the kind of controlled yeah, yeah, atmosphere. It's people just walking. It's like, People are allowed through this weird
1: force field, but garbage and trash and mm-hmm. maybe unpleasant smells or noises, those don't find their way in.
0: I, and it's just, it's not a big area. Mm-hmm. Vatican City isn't huge, but it's just Can like you a imagine. L- it's probably like
1: I bet that place is like fucking Disneyland. I bet when you look at it and you, they only let you see what they want you to see. There's probably so much underground shit oh, and like hidden yes. buildings and everything like that. That place is fucking just. That'd be so crazy. Be like, you want to come see, like, fucking Vatican City after dark?
0: Well, they hold all of the records for the entire yeah. Catholic Church, and there's all these things about all these old dioceses. Think and about how big the room are. just
1: on fucking molestations. Yeah, That's they, uh, section's had to, deep. Yeah, they had to dig an entirely new vault. <laughs> Filled up way too fast. Yeah, it's just a, a crazy thing. So he ends up a day after they pick her up. And of course, that's not to say that that's what prompted it. But if he was like, had people watching her and she got picked up and they're like, that's not one of our guys. They're like, okay, boss, they just took your favorite mistress. He's like, I should, should I move? They're getting, cause he might have thought that she knew where he was if they had stayed at that hotel together or anything like that. So they establish a communication line between Noriega and this office. It was called, um, the tube or the canal or I can't remember Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. the tube. I believe it was.
1: Yeah. It was up in the mountains. It was in the mountains, but it was where the Americans had kind of their command uh, base set up and they had a direct line. And so she would talk to Noriega (laughs) and through like gentle coaxing, basically like negotiated with him and said, listen, like there's, there's not a way out of this. It's only making it worse. But what if you were able to, tried to regain your honor or your decency or something like that. I think that's all bullshit that that got through to him. I think eventually the U S Marines and everyone that had surrounded, not only just like the U S troops that had surrounded that embassy that were fucking blasting, like fucking rock music, (laughs) rock music. It was fucking like, the Rolling Stones and like Van Halen and all this shit.
0: Zeppelin in there.
1: Yep. With on all these fucking huge speakers, it was psychological warfare. Then you had Panamanians who were against him banging shit the whole time of pots. There was no, you know, reprieve from the sound. So I don't know if it was a combination of that and her kind of trying to coax him out.
0: You think but, the Catholics were like, bro, we can't deal with this anymore. Get there the was fuck probably out there. some
1: at some point it was probably like, listen, man, like we're going to fucking string you up if we don't get you the fuck out of here. And they don't quiet that noise.
0: We gave you Christmas here. We're not. Yeah, we're not ringing in the new he year. He was there way. from
1: like December, like a month, wasn't it? Like close. It was a while. Yeah. He had been fucking sheltered for a while. Can you imagine that? Just having that fucking place surrounded for a month.
0: But how did they let him in?
1: Uh, I don't know. It Was he it was Catholic or... I don't know, man.
0: Even the Catholics like, you kill all these people and you've done all these bad things and we're going to give them shelter?
1: That's insane. They're... Hey, man. it's They're not clean either. They're like, I, guess, I mean, who are we to talk?
0: They're not, but that's a bad look for the Pope to go ahead and green After like After a that.
1: month, I, there was probably some pressure to get him out of there too. But one of the weird things was he... Asked for they convinced him, like, you should do it in your uniform, or he thought he should do it. I think his, she told him to do yeah, that. Yeah, like, that will help you maintain a sense of decency or honor. And so they fucking found his uniform and got it all pressed in clean form and then fucking delivered it. And he finally fucking walked out and was arrested by DEA agents. That's...
0: Uh, his whole saga is sort of mind bending, but the way that it comes to an end, like everybody's end in the South American kind of cartel leader history Mm -hmm. usually ends in bloodshed. And I think it's for the better because we can sort of put it past us. They strung out Noriega for so long. He ended up, he lived.
1: I love it. I fucking love it. I love the fact that So we got him first. And he was. I love it when they get people on charges that you're like, those are the fucking charges. Like, it's so weird. It's like, like you do got, so much evil shit, and they're like, well, we technically can't prove beyond a shadow of reasonable doubt that he did the evil shit because there were other people, but we can definitely prove he fucked up financially.
0: Yeah, Capone went to jail for tax evasion. Yeah. But like,
1: this guy also, I think it was also like drug trafficking and that kind of stuff that they could definitely tie to him yeah, based was, on his relationship also that they knew with the CIA.
0: Gun smuggling is what the some US of that US evidence found
1: was. its way into his hearings. They were probably like, someone just left a bunch of documents at our door. Weird.
0: Well, and during this point, Noriega has sung on the CIA. He tried yeah. to pull the card of while well, I was working for the CIA. Said that they had given him I believe it was like ten million dollars that he was like, We fucking know. Yeah well, And then he comes out, yeah. They actually, uh, the CIA has to actually nuh-uh. come out and rebut it. They're like,
1: "No, uh, we were only paying you this much, yeah, it, man." I think it
0: was like seventy three thousand dollars. It's like a. Fucking, that they you know what it reminds
1: to. me of. It fucking reminds me of a conversation like with Kelso, like when they're in the circle yeah. and they're saying something, and Hyde said something to Kelsey. like, "No, uh, no, and then just completely like owns himself. Like, we weren't paying you millions of dollars. We were only paying you like, we paid you like $100,000 tops.
0: That was it the whole entire time. Yeah.
1: That's, you're like, ooh, that doesn't sound like you think it sounds.
0: Yeah. Like, you're still, we're not
1: concerned about the money at this point. No,
0: you're still culpable. You still paid this man. And that, I think, is why we don't get so much Noriega inside of America is because there is that. The Justice Department at
1: this point was like, yeah, yeah, we don't fucking care. Like what? What do you think that's gonna that you just embarrassed the CIA? We tried to do that all the fucking time. Yeah. So he got sentenced forty years, or was it twenty?
0: I believe it was forty years in American prison. He served, I think it was seventeen years.
1: Yes. And so then- he got, and he was was he supposed to? There was something to where like oh, this whole time, also, if you would imagine, Panama also has rung him up on charges. Yeah, oh, yeah. But they we're like, charges we ha- waiting. Yeah. But like we have him. And then France is like, ho, we, we, we also would like him because apparently he had dr- smuggled some drugs in France and done some stuff in France too. So we were like, hmm, all right, we'll give him to France for a bit. So literally like the day he's supposed to get out, he gets rearrested arrested and um, extradited to France.
0: They pulled off American cuffs and at the gate, they slapped French cuffs on him and he was just off again.
1: Yeah. Hey, where are you guys sending me? You don't worry about it, man. Someone will be there to meet you at the gate. Remember when you met that guy, when he came into your country, there's going to be someone waiting for you. Yeah. So the French take him and he's only there for how long? Seven years. He's there for seven. And then they don't even like, was it the 17 years when he was here, he was going to be released. Right. And then we were like, Oh, Oh shit. Not so fast. The French actually have you on some other stuff. So well, I think there was a time where he thought he was going to get released.
0: I don't think there was because when that happens, they these other countries, I don't know why they want him so bad. But Well, I can see why Panama fucking wants you, him. Oh yeah, Panama definitely wanted him back bad. But France throwing their request for extradition to extradite him back to France to prosecute him was just like them bugging the U.S. to let him go. So I'm sure they had already written up and drawn everything. Oh, it's they, like they had
1: it waiting. Yeah, I think the only reason that we probably commuted it down to the 17 years was because we were like, let's get this fucker out of here.
0: Well, yeah, he's not our problem anymore. We, we, we got, got our pound of flesh. flesh.
1: These French fuckers won't shut up about this dude. Just fucking send him packing.
0: I think it's a lot like when you commit crimes in one state and then you com- get Hand arrested him a Big in Big Mac other. and put him on Air Wee oui Wee
1: oui and fucking get him out of here.
0: Yeah, they're probably like, the French people are this annoying to us. I'm sure they're going to make yes, his life a living hell. You're going
1: to love it. So then after seven years, they're like, hey, we're sending you home. And he's like, what? Fuck no. So he gets sent back to Panama. And guess who's not happy to see him? Everyone in Panama. Panama. <laughs> Panama ding, 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 ding. Yeah. So he you ends think They up-
0: played that when they, were, when they had him in the Vatican. They did. they played Panama. uh, Hands down, they did. (laughs) I would
1: guarantee. I will put money on it.
0: That was like the first song they thought of doing. I will put money
1: on it. But yeah, so he ends up getting taken back to Panama, and where I'm sure he goes into like, I don't think it's a cushy place. No, he's 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 convicted convicted in the murder. Yeah, he's convicted essentially one of the things he's convicted of and two other people in the murder of Spadafora. So not only does Spatifora get justice technically, I mean he doesn't he probably would have preferred to have been alive, but um he not only causes his the whole thing to collapse on him, but he does end up getting convicted of that.
0: And to put a nice bow on a uh an intriguing story, um Noriega ended up dying in the exact same city that he was born in. So it kind of all comes full circle. He dies during a brain operation on a tumor. I'm sure getting surgery from a Panamanian prison. I don't prison. think he dies during the surgery. Yeah, Are you sure? I, I'm pretty sure that I read that he died on the table. I know he had surgery
1: for... It was for a tumor that ended up being benign. Benign is the good one, right? Yeah. Yeah. So he's actually... He's moved from prison due to high blood pressure to a hospital in Panama City and a brain hemorrhage. So he's actually there for 4 days before being returned to the prison and then like 2 days later or no, hold on, sorry, March 21st, so like a month later a little bit more, he's been diagnosed with a brain tumor, mm-hmm. later revealed to have been benign, so I'm guessing that might have been determined post like autopsy or something. Could be. Um but he was released from prison and placed under house arrest to prepare for surgery that would remove the tumor. On March 7th, he suffered a brain hemorrhage during surgery, which left him in critical condition in intensive care, and then he died on the 29th. So he actually died two days later, so I'm not on the table. Suck it. Okay. Suck it. That works. I've waited fucking more than two hours to burn you on this shit.
0: <laughs> At least he died. He, like I say, that... Panama doesn't sound like a place I would want to get any surgery. Maybe like hangnail surgery. I'm sure. Can like imagine here? You <laughs> he think they were playing operation with his brain? <laughs> let us discuss.
1: Let us discuss. Hey, folks. I know this is late in the podcast. You guys have been with us for like two hours and probably ten minutes up to this point. Want to appreciate? We do really appreciate that. But we're going to discuss something here. If you were a Panamanian brain surgeon. And on your table was probably one of the most universally hated people in your country. And you're performing a brain operation where it is probably very, very easy to make small accidents that probably a lot of surgeons do make. How careful are you going to be during that operation?
0: You're you're playing pin the tail on the
1: donkey. Okay. Do you think, because I know there is, you know, it's the Hippocratic Oath and everything like that. I don't think it's a Panamanian thing. You don't think that... I think that's strictly American. Okay, so... Yeah. It reminds me of, like, do you remember on The Office, where Daryl has the... um, I think it was the Japanese guy that's working in the warehouse. Uh And the story is about how (laughs) what he really happened in Japan. The Yakuza boss and everything. I feel like that is... There's some likelihood. Because guess what? It doesn't list the name of the surgeon. And you think that guy would probably be known.
0: The guy that killed Noriega should...
1: Should be known. Can you imagine that at parties and just being like, hey, man, dude, um, Juan, you got to fucking tell him the story. He's like, tell us the story. T- what story? He's, like, He's like, like, he killed
0: Noriega. What? He's like, I didn't. He's like, yeah, I killed Noriega. We sterilized and then I scratched my nuts mm-hmm. and then we went into surgery. <laughs> He's like, hey, listen, things, you sweat. It was hot. Those tools
1: get slippery. We don't have AC you, in the surgery Sometimes room. you cut a little bit too deep. Sometimes you accidentally sew up your glove in the cranial cavity of a patient. <laughs> Stranger things have fucking happened. But I think there was something that like, and this actually really kind of made me, I don't know how I feel about this. I want to bounce this off you. So the Panamanian president at the time when Noriega died in 2017, at the that's not fucking long ago, people, no. five years. Um. He said the death of Manuel Noriega closes a chapter in our history. His daughters and his relatives deserve to bury him in peace. I don't think he was referring in that situation to Noriega or anything positive. I think he was just saying like don't don't punish the family for this. Like they you know let let them move on and try to distance themselves from that. But it's just kind of like who do you who else would be like that? Like Do we have someone like that in our country that would almost be like, it would be an announcement that it's uh, turning a page from a very dark time in our
0: country? This is a, it's a Nixon-Ford speech. No, 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 but like, when did Nixon die? No, not death, but when Ford talks about not prosecuting him and wanting to heal the country and all that. Yeah. This is sort of, I think, his way of trying to distance himself from the Panama that was under Noriega and to try to grow the country because I'm sure there were celebrations in the street when they found out oh, that he was absolutely. dead. Absolutely. So in order to... It's probably, a, it's probably a holiday. Could be, yeah. In order to move past it, I think it was more for the country's benefit mm-hmm. than the family because the family, it's...
1: I'm wondering if we have an evil entity that you can think of that when they die it might be like cuz that that's what that kind of was it, to to have the president of your country have to come out and say let's let's give a let's try to give a little bit of like grace to like the the relatives and the descendants and everything like that but having to come out and say that like this is actually a a, a happy day of us being able to turn the chapter i'm just trying to figure out like i have some people that might be in mind but I don't know. It's it's kind of just a weird concept, like to have to be to make that announcement in the country, and everyone knows what you're talking about.
0: Yeah, um, just off the top of my head, thinking about just things that have happened like that. Uh, Timothy McVeigh was a national story when he got poked. Mm-hmm. It was sort of a day was that in the- Texas, Oklahoma City bombing. Oklahoma did the death. Okay. Yeah. Um, it was a federal facility so okay. it could have been I think there's one in Oklahoma City Okay but either way the day that he died I think was sort of a national sign to be able to kind of start to heal from the Oklahoma City bombings yeah. cuz I don't think they were close I okay, want to say-
1: so, so now think of that that's that's a good actually that's kind of a good talking point is like think of that that was one terrorist incident Now, imagine it's somebody that literally terrorized and fucked your country for like years, not not just years when he was in control, but years leading up to that when he was in positions of power that were legitimate positions of power that gave him pretty much the ability to really do whatever he wanted and got away with all of it until, you know, till he fucked around. Too, until he fucked around too much and killed this one guy.
0: It took an entire country to bring him down. Not our country, but a whole other country. Yeah. It took the United States to bring him to justice. Yeah. It's a... I don't know. It, it, it's a good thing. I think that he... And we had a hand in making that. A rather large hand. Yes. But... I think it's a we, good we thing. provided from
1: some very solid foundational elements to to allow this to happen not only in our in in providing resources but also in our inaction or supporting certain action. It wasn't inaction it was full support. And the whole thing was I don't think we even really touched on the whole reason why not only did Noriega have, you know, CIA backing for the longest time a lot of it also had to do with, with Panama being able to funnel and supply both funding and arms to um, rebel groups that we supported. Sandinistas. Sandinistas, or even just like, you know, revolutions and factions that we supported down in or uh, South America, trying to keep communism like out of Nicaragua. And there were some other places down there that we were pumping money into trying to back and topple oh, regimes Salvador. and stuff. And you can't just fucking put money on a plane in America and fly it and land it in those countries or put guns and everything like that. You have to essentially be able to send them to
0: someone and have that person then distribute them. What? And so, I mean. He was just making money everywhere because not only was he getting that CIA funding, which, like you say, he had to be the middleman because America couldn't put their money forward. Yeah. For these, well, I mean, it was our money,
1: and they were just it was changing hands.
0: Yeah, it was changing the
1: source it was coming from, was just a source where we were distanced from it
0: that we were clean of. Yeah, so while he's got that going on, he's really able to fund all of these different things that America's mm-hmm. asking for him before he gets his repayment through however they had their setup. But he took three percent. The Medellin cartel is uh, Pablo Escobar's cartel. Mm -hmm. There's a couple different factions down there now, but the Medellin's still still in power, kind of. Uh, They have some power, at least. But he took 3% of all the cocaine distribution that they were sending up through Panama Mm -hmm. that got to America. So he was getting 3% just for allowing them through the border of Panama to get up there. And then he was taking 2% of all bank transactions that were happening down there. They funneled enough money through there to, I think he was making, fuck, I think it was $40 million, maybe.
1: That's what kind of surprises me about the capture thing. With as much as he knew, and his network of everything, how did he not get the fuck out of Panama? Yeah,
0: why were you not, and maybe it could have been because he thought that he would be cooed that way. But he knew as soon as we were like, he knew that there was obviously no way
1: he was staying in power once we invaded. What I'm saying is that why not go hang out with Pablo? I think it's because there were no, there weren't any consequences up to that point. And when there were consequences, it wasn't like a slap on the wrist or like a firm spanking. It was like, nah, you're fucking done. And so I don't, maybe he, part of it was probably hubris. He probably thought he didn't have to have a plan to get out because he was never going to have to leave. But to not have a plan and you have I'm sure he had money all over the world. Oh yeah. Or he could have gone down exactly like you're saying. He could have gone down and hidden out in Colombia and probably lived like a fucking king. But like his his downfall is just I think it's completely tied to his just God complex, his untouchable, just that untouchable
0: demeanor. Yeah. Which I mean He he had a <laughs> It was, what does Mike Tyson say? Everybody has a plan until they get punched in the face. Yeah. He had a plan the whole entire time, and then when he got punched in the face by Americans coming down to mm-hmm. get their their money back, basically, yeah. that was when he they just said, I have my money. He completely ran the opposite direction of any sort of intelligence. It was like he was smart up until the point he was checked, and then he just didn't have a plan. It was like he never thought about this. All right, man. Well,
1: you got anything else?
0: No, He's, uh,
1: he, this guy. When we are going to talk about a lot of different other topics, this guy's going. His name's going to come back up, so yeah. we'll be able to kind of harken back to this episode. And um, yeah, yeah, other than that, I know we've been keeping you guys up or keeping you guys on for a while. So hopefully, you learned something.
0: This is literally just a stepping stone into South American cartels and other just super fun topics. That your we'll talk eyes about. like I know we've been doing this, but your eyes light like light up when you start. I, Pablo is I, Pablo will be a special episode Alright, all right. stay tuned for that guys Peace
1: Alright ladies and gentlemen Thanks for joining us for another episode If you like what you heard, hit that subscribe and like button, follow us If you didn't like what you heard, still hit that anyway, because we'll probably cover something in the future that you do like um, Please follow us on our social media Adam,
0: hit him with it uh, our Instagram is historically high pod, historically high pod. And we are on Twitter at historically high. That's historically H I. All right. And if you guys want to send in any feedback, suggestions, hit us up on those two, or
1: you can even do it on Gmail. It's historically high podcast at gmail.com. Uh, thanks again. Peace.